Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Welcome to Pearl Mania 500, the husband and wife lore dump podcast that has definitely been listened to by both the NSA, the FBI, and possibly the CIA. But for a fact, I know... It has been listened to by both people who work on Capitol Hill, but also the White House. And people that love enemas. People who are obsessed, obsessed with enemas. (laughs) But that's not what this episode is going to be about today, right? I can't make that promise. There's a place where you can't stay. Thank you so much. His name was Dusk. I have to say, honestly, at the end of that song, every single time he goes, remember to smile, both of us look at each other and smile in the creepiest manner possible. Yeah. I give my old school waitressing smile. Yeah. The the the, the, the clope and brunch smile. Yeah. It's real dead behind the eyes. Yeah. When it you scares clo- you every time. When you, when you closed last night and you have to open mm-hmm. for brunch the next morning. And there's a bunch of ladies with red hats on. Mm. Oh, wait, that used to mean something different. Yeah, red yeah, red hat society <laughs> used to be a. It was never a good thing, but no, it wasn't an evil if you thing. Saw oh my a god! A bunch of ladies coming in in red hats on a brunch. You were like, 
fuck me. Yeah. But now it's the same feeling. It's it's You're a similar. You're still not getting a tip. I yeah. I would say it's a similar feeling. Yeah, it's true. I feel like it's a similar. I feel like there might be some crossover. Oh, there's definitely crossover. But they back in the with the Red Hat Society back in the day. They weren't like screaming in their face. It was more of a passive aggressiveness. Yeah, it was. Now like, the Red Hat Society is trying to overthrow the capital. Yeah, these ladies just wanted a lot of hot tea that was never hot enough, no matter what. Speaking of overthrowing the capital, uh, some people may have noticed from both our Instagrams and from uh, the posts that we put on Patreon, I was in Washington, D.C. Yeah, just they a couple invited days ago. you and then let you in. They let me in. I don't know why. I, I'm still trying to figure it out myself. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I went down to Washington, D.C. It was a whirlwind 24 hours. Mm-hmm. I went to the Capitol building where I met North Carolina Representative Jeff Jackson. Yep. Uh, you guys might know him from TikTok. He's the guy who calmly explains to you that it's bad, but we're trying to fix it. Yeah. Uh, very calmly. Got to talk to him for an extended period of time. New best friends. Uh, I uh, passed Marjorie Taylor Greene in a hallway. I can't imagine. It was... Everyone was like, why didn't you? I'm like, because I... After that, I was invited to go to the White House, and if I did anything towards Marjorie Taylor Greene, it would not have... I know you're not supposed to say it out loud. Yeah. Let's not. But, like, she's got skinwalker energy. She does. You don't even know what that means. I... No, I don't. But you might learn this month. Oh. Because it's spooky month. It's spooky month. Yeah, I don't know. We don't have a name for it. We don't have a name for it yet. We're working on it. workshopping the whole thing. Uh, Yeah. Speaking of workshopping, I then did go to the White House. Okay. Back to you. Back to you. Back to me. (laughs) Do you not want to talk no, about I me? No, talk about it. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. No, we don't need to ever talk about it again. <laughs> Let's. Uh, so wait, no, you went to the White House. No, you don't care. You I obviously, care. you obviously don't want the listeners oh, to hear. Oh my god. Yeah. Listen, go ahead. What? Go ahead. It's your. You tell have the us, whole month. I'm asking us, for five minutes. Tell us about these. No, no, no. It's fine. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about the fact <laughs> that I met. I met the vice president's husband. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah, the second gentleman, Doug Emhoff. Ooh. Yeah. Handsome. Yeah. <laughs> he's a guy he's just like an older he's an older gentleman was he nice second gentleman okay that's his title i know they yeah. had to come up with that we they didn't did. have one before before they were like well we knew to call them ladies but once it's a man what do you call them what like, are you oh gentlemen gross yeah uh he was nice yeah i mean he was you know political he's like wow i appreciate all of what all of you do he, he didn't said know what you did no i was like i just yell at you man like my <laughs> that's what i do uh, but yeah, it was very neat. And then I went to the White House, actually talked to their staff for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was cool. We were talking about digital strategies, communication, all those different fun things. And uh, it was me and a bunch of including angry reactions. Yep. Um, Astro Alexandra, uh, who is, uh, does NASA stuff. Okay. Uh, and a bunch of other creators uh, and influencer and people. And was there. Kalen was there. Yeah. And he does a podcast with Ricky Lake. And yeah. I was like, I do a podcast with my wife. Who loves Ricky Lake because she saw Hairspray when she was young. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. What's what? the segue? What do you mean? I don't know. Oh. Hey, huh? <laughs> Let's meet our team leaders. That's right. It is team leader meeting time. We're, you told me we have to get through this quick. That's why you cut off my Washington, D.C. Oh story. My, my triumph. Okay. But All let's right. meet our team leaders. I do, what, as, as as mentioned on previous episodes, and you might have listened to our two-parter on J. Edgar Hoover, mm-hmm. uh, we, have, we have three tiers now. Yep. We've entered into a third tier. Okay, yeah, I did We have the $3 Hey Hun tier. Uh-huh. We have the $5 team lead. Mm-hmm. Hey Hun is what it is. It gets you a shout out. Yep. Team lead. Get to you, vote on stuff. You get to vote on stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've now introduced the $30 Fed tier. <laughs> yeah, the Fed tier. If you're a Fed... 
Uh, if you, you must, you're required by law to purchase the Fed tier to listen. If you don't, you are lying to us, and anything that you hear us say on this podcast is inadmissible. Inadmissible in court, in court. Mm-hmm. because if you're a Fed, you got if you're a cop, you got to tell us you're a cop. Yeah, facts. Uh, so that's thirty dollars a month. It gets you exactly what a team lead gets you. It's no, like, no. What? Hey, what? <laughs> it just gets you a hey, hon? I don't want the feds voting. I feel like, listen, I feel like they're paying more. No. Oh, you want me to remove voting as an option for them? The feds don't get to vote. Wow. Okay. I'm going to remove it. I'll take it out. <laughs> uh, but anyway, thank you guys. We did reach the 500 on the goal and yeah, we have we it posted. It. Yeah. We have it posted yeah, now. We got so plenty and we could always use more suggestions. We're yep. going to close it, I think. Um, at the end of like Sunday night, probably we'll close the poll. I think because there's already over a hundred suggestions. Sorry, over a hundred. Okay. But if you have any last minute ideas for books for Alex to read for Mrs. P's book club, yeah. What we'll say here is we're gonna close that poll on Wednesday. Not poll that the postings mm-hmm. that we're gonna accept nomination Wednesday, October fourth. Okay. How about that? That, that way, fun. that way, the people hear this episode if they haven't already posted. I feel like most of our Patreons already have. Yeah, uh, we've got a lot of responses from people on that one. A lot of fun suggestions. And there. now we have some new Patreons that we have to introduce this week. Give them the Hey Hun shout outs. Let's you ready go. for it? Yeah. Did we have anybody who had uh, names wrong on there? No. Okay, good. Uh, first up, we have Book Birdie. Hey Hun. After that, we have Elder Millennial Megan. Hey Megan, I get that feeling. After that, that we have sleep when the baby sleeps, clean when the baby cleans. When does the baby clean? Never. So we are not gonna not clean because the baby's not. We're cleaning. learning. We're learning from our Patreons okay. on how to become family vloggers. Uh, we're not becoming family vloggers. <laughs> uh, I love this next one, by okay. the way. This next one, they definitely listened to the last episode. And they are part of the Fed tier. <laughs> they actually paid. I, I'm noticing now. This is our first Fed tier. <laughs> Holy shit. And their Patreon name is, You Don't Need Friends When You Have a Top Tier Hag Like Miss Gandy. <laughs> Let's go. That's fucking facts. amazing. Big if you, facts. If you didn't make it to the end of the Jagger Hoover episode, he had a long-term secretary <laughs> that was clearly his hag yeah. named Miss Gandy, who burned a lot of his paperwork That's what a the good days after. Yeah, she came in. She was basically his porn buddy. Yeah. She came in. She's like, I know where all the porn's kept. I'm going to just burn it. Go for it. Uh, after that, we have allegedly a Mrs. P fan. Hey. Thanks. Hey, hun. Okay, this next one, uh, it's three letters. Okay. I'm going to say it's just K. K. K-U-H. Love it. All right. After that, we have Sonny Heller. Hey, hon. After that, we have They Are Danny. Hey, hon. After that, we have, okay. Uh, apparently, I got the last one. Somebody paid for one recently. Okay, so here's what happened. Okay. You messed up last week. Okay. You said this person's name wrong. Okay. Now, they are a delivery driver. I don't know if that's UPS, you know, postal service. I don't know, but they're out there driving. Yeah. They pulled over their car when you got it wrong. Really? They went and bought tacos to, to soothe their soul. They ate the tacos in their car okay. or truck, whatever they were driving. Okay. And then they resubscribed and rewrote their name so you would get it right this time. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so I delicious tacos. So I have to nail this. this. I have to nail this. Yeah. You're, you I don't need, know how I got it wrong when I'm looking at their name. You need to Simone Biles this. You need to nail the landing. Okay. Okay. Who was the girl in 1996 Olympics who, Carrie Strug. Yeah. I want to do it on one foot. Okay. Like Carrie Strug. Like tiny, teeny, tiny Carrie Strug. Okay. <laughs> Hit it, Fergie. Listen up, y'all. Because this is it. 
said underscore Rick underscore underscore Fred underscore Rick underscore son. It rhymes. Ferguson is the scary lady from Wentworth, comma, A. I think they ran out of words. Oh, no. I think we're out of letters. I I do enjoy the fact that Fergie always be spelling. Yeah. She... Fergie will find a way to spell in every song. She Did I say has... Cedric Ferguson last time? I don't know. I might have just read it wrong. But because Cedric, Cedric Fre- Fredrickson, that that's such an easy name to say. I don't know how I got it wrong. Well, I don't know. Well, we learned together that I got it wrong. All of us, the thousands One of time Pearlmaniacs. Fergie, Fergie spelled a word that we don't even say anymore as a society really yeah she spelled it the fuck out yeah there <laughs> she did and then they had to change the whole song <laughs> they changed the whole song to started let's get it started, started in here and we were like whoa <laughs> i remember the original i remember party. when they sang let's get it started at the 2004 democratic national convention <laughs> and me and my buddies were sitting around like fucked up we were wasted we're like that's not the lyric. <laughs> she um, spelled it for us, and she didn't spell started last time. Yeah, after... Um, okay, so I apologize, Cedric Fredrickson. Uh, I apologize. Good job. Uh, thank you, you so much for delivering whatever it is you deliver. A good time. Uh, this. I hope I get the next name right. Okay. Brian. <laughs> Brian with a Y. It's just Brian. That's it. Uh, and lastly, we have Whitney... Corkery. Hey, Whitney Corkery. Hey, hon. Hey, that Thanks was. Thanks everyone for supporting us. Our hey, huns. Hey, hon. Let's meet our team leaders. So, yeah. Uh, you told me we had to get through this intro quick. I did. I, I said, feel like we did. I had. I got a lot to cover. Yeah. So as I, we talked about last week. Yes. This October, I am aiming for some spooky ookiness. Yes. Okay. And we now, don't have a name for the month no yet. There's no name. We're workshopping it. We're figuring it out as we go based on what's happening, right? Okay. So the first, uh, this episode is going to be about a haunted hotel. Okay. Okay. So with that, yeah. there has been requests that uh-huh. we go back to using older names for some things. All right. So before we hear about this haunted hotel, mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to do, we're going to do a bump on this podcast. <laughs> and when we come back, uh-huh. you're going to haunt. The hallways of this hotel. Hold on. (laughs) Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Burlmania, 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 500. 
All right, Mrs. P, the floor is yours. Get it spooky. Get it spooky. Um, okay, great. Let's get it spooky in here. Let's S- get it spooky it in here. It's spooky for us now, Fergie. Okay, um... <laughs> Also, well, though, this is the whole thing is like, because again, I've just been like workshopping this idea of like what type of things I'm going to look up this month yeah, and do research on. And okay, so I know many episodes ago I had brought up Gypsy Rose Blanchard and okay. I and you were like, I don't want to hear that. And I was like, it is a really rough story. It's a, it's a rough story, but they just announced that Gypsy Rose Blanchard is being released from prison early in this December. They're going to let her out. And so I feel like maybe I need to do an episode on Gypsy Rose. That's the girl whose mom did the Munchausen's by yeah. proxy. And then she did she pay a hitman to kill the mom? Or? I'm not going to tell you because okay. I would tell you on the episode. Yeah. But. I've been thinking, it's like, it is a horror story because of what her mother did. Yeah. So it would fit, because again, this is why Spooky October isn't just spooky. It's like all kinds of stuff in my head that are uh, weird things so I want to tell like you. it's more like Fucktober. <laughs> so, Fucktober anyway. does kind of, <laughs> yo, Fucktober fucks, dude. Uh, so anyway, yo! today, today I want to tell you about okay. the Crescent Hotel. Okay, the okay. Crescent Hotel. The Crescent Hotel. So I want you to put in to the Google real quick the Crescent Hotel because I want you to see how beautiful and majestic this fucking building is. Um, so the Crescent Hotel in is, Arkansas. Yep, is in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Okay. And hit images. I'm hitting the images. Okay, I'm taking there a that look. that top left there. Baby. Oh shit. Okay, this is a majestic fucking building. Gorgeous. It's Yo. got all the spooky ooks about it. And I know in our last episode, if you listen to the second part of our last episode, I might have gone off on a tangent about how I think we need to bring back um, travel agents. Yeah. <laughs> this is me again being like, I want to go to here. Here are all the reasons why this hotel looks like it's an awesome place to go. Okay. <laughs> because when I started doing research on haunted hotels, like I had known about this one and I was looking at images and I was like, yo, I want to go here. I don't care how many ghosts are in this place. It looks beautiful. Is that pool still operational? Yeah. The you pool- can still go here? Mm-hmm. Yo. It's beautiful. So as okay. part of my travel agent research, he's in the spa website right now. Yeah, I'm in booking.com. I'm taking a look at it. <laughs> so okay. This is not sponsored content. No, I'm just looking. But I'm saying if they want to pay for me to come go to the spa there, I will. All right. And go on a hot spring tour. So anyway, okay, listen. Yo, look, they even leaning into it. Yeah. They even have a spooky oh, image. They lean in hard to the spooky. Oh, uh, okay. Okay, so it's in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. It is billed as America's most haunted hotel. Okay? The most haunted. It's the most haunted hotel. Okay. I mean, I guess it's according to their marketing. In 1886, the Crescent Hotel and Spa uh, was officially part of the national trust of historic preservation so it is a historical landmark now okay. they can't do too many changes to it um they have to keep it somewhat they have to keep it somewhat they do they do updates for sure and well, we'll go I, I saw those. on booking that they have wi-fi well there you, you know. go so we need the wi-fi because we need to go to there on a weekend and then record a podcast from there talking Yo, shit could to you the imagine ghost. i can imagine oh no <laughs> so the whole thing is there's this is located in the Ozarks, okay? Mm-hmm. So the healing waters of the Ozarks became really well-known nationwide. It I love it. It was a marketing thing. Yeah. It was like, the water here is so clean, it will heal you. It's also one of those things that's pretty common, because you know, the Poconos in Pennsylvania has a similar thing. There's yeah. a lot of mountain areas 
where going to the mountains was considered healing because especially during the industrial times, the smoke and the soot yeah. that were in the towns and cities that they knew it was hurting people. Yeah. And they were like, ah, I guess you're too weak for this. Go to the mountains, get the Breathe clean air, air for a while. drink clean water that hasn't had shit dumped in it. And yeah. now we're just like, no, no, no. Just just keep going to work. Work, Actually, fun, work in person. Fun fact. Yeah. People from the Philly area. When you think about how dense Philadelphia is, mm-hmm. West Philadelphia was what they considered to be the Ozarks. Yeah. So like if you were living in downtown, like old city, that area, yeah. and it was so industrialized that just going that couple miles just the to other side West of the, Philadelphia, the other side of the other river, big houses that you see where now all the college kids live, mm-hmm. those houses were... Uh, bed and breakfast to heal because there was like yeah. more trees and there's still more trees in West Philly than there are in other parts of Philly. But it's just interesting because it's like it's like a 20 minute bike ride. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just but, like, but there were even place. there was even further out, like the further yeah. out you go for all these different places and big part, like in England, mm-hmm. a lot of people would go to Wales or they would go to northern England. They would just go to these places that was in the middle of nowhere. And they're like, well, what's healing about? It? Like, there's no other people. There's, people haven't people's ruined it. Problem. Yeah. They're like People haven't ruined it yet. Um, So uh there's so much less there's just there's just less dead rats everywhere yeah well yeah that's what they're saying in new york right now less less rats less dead rats flushed them they definitely find out with the rat problem <laughs> by drowning them all uh okay so people from near, near and far started coming to this part of the ozarks to be a part to get the healing water and the fresh air the whole yep. thing right so um many travelers were just like the whole idea was that we were going to come to this place. We're going to start feeling better and breathing. So there's this guy, Powell Clayton. Now he is a former governor of Arkansas. Um, from He was the governor of Arkansas in 1868 to 1870. And he formed the Eureka Springs Improvement Company to take advantage of this, what he was feeling was a prosperous period. Prosper- Prosperous. Prosperous. Yep. Period. Um, along with other investors, including the Frisco Railroad, uh, that whole company, he and the railroad was all part of this. So the whole plan was they're going to start building it out. They're going to have the railroad come through. They're going to start shipping in people okay. to create this touristy zone, right? So Powell Clayton, here's the thing. I, when, as I was going through all of this, I started really looking up each person. Okay. Yeah. Um, because when it comes to spooky ooky ghost stories, sometimes we get glossed over. We get silly nicknames. We get, oh, this thing happened here. And it's like, I need a little bit more backstory personally. Yeah. So I looked up Powell Clayton. Okay. And here's what I found. Because uh, again, this is the guy who's starting this all up. He's basically founding Eureka Springs almost in general. Yeah, like the town as a as a destination. So basically what happened was he was the governor of Arkansas. Yeah. After he retires from being the governor of Arkansas or is no like he's he's deciding to get out of politics. Yeah. He still wants to be a part of the economy and live in Arkansas. So he and, goes and like, to your spr- And Eureka. like all Arkansas governors famously, he then super gets into real estate and it's never been a problem. <laughs> Okay. So some people will get that joke. Some people won't. Um, The Clintons. Okay. So Powell Clayton was born in Bethel Township, Pennsylvania. Shut up. Do you know where that is? Yeah, it's not far. Booth's Corner. Yeah, we've been there. We recently have been to Booth's Corner. (laughs) Um, There is a farmer's market there. I went there because I was looking for comic books. Yeah. And instead I got insanely depressed and I ended up buying uh, some crab dip. 
Oh, I got a delicious pickle. <laughs> you did. <laughs> what else did I eat? Oh, the chicken salad. I yeah. had a great time. No, but the funny part- I ate my way through that place. I had a great Listen, time. Listen, I know there's a lot to cover. Yeah. But you got to talk about this pickle real fast because you and I almost had a fight <laughs> in the middle of a farmer's market because I was like, eat, you want a pickle. And yeah. you're like, no, nah, I don't want a pickle because you haven't had like really crazy pregnancy cravings. No. And I'm like, this is a fucking- Amish pickle. Yeah, it was in a giant barrel. It's in a big barrel. It's just floating in the thing. It was a Mennonite lady with a little bonnet on. Yeah, and then she just grabs it with yeah, her bare hand and puts it in the bag. I was like, this and is the best And she handed it to you, pickle. and you just walked around eating it like it was a braided pretzel. <laughs> and every bite, you're like, this is the best pickle. And I'm like, yeah. And I had to fight you about it. Um, yeah. It was like it was like a dollar seventy five. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was so good. Okay, so the Clayton family was descended from early Quaker settlers in Pennsylvania. Okay. Clayton's uh, ancestor, William Clayton, immigrated from Chichester, England, and was a personal friend of William Penn. Okay. And he was actually appointed as one of the nine justices who sat in the Upland Court. I could do a whole episode about the Upland Court. Very interesting shit. I did go into a little rabbit hole. Yeah. Doesn't have enough to do with this. That's fine. Anyway. So go back from Pennsylvania. Powelton... At, he uh, becomes the governor, like going back to his go- his governorship yeah. mm-hmm, um, of Arkansas. He was the governor after the military rule was lifted because there was like a civil war situation going on. <laughs> There's like a civil war situation? Yeah, there was like a thing going so on. So after Reconstruction. After Reconstruction. Yes. He becomes the governor. Yeah. And is ratified by Congress after the new constitution. The Arkansas state constitution is ratified, right? Yeah. He was viewed as a carpetbagger by the people of Arkansas. So what you're saying is he's not a slaver. Mm-mm. He is not a bag of shit. No. It, well, I mean, he's still a bag of shit because he's a politician, mm. but he's not what you would typically you be, put better in. be nice. They're inviting you places, these politicians. You better stop saying they're bags of shit all the time. Uh, well, you know, maybe if I could tell more stories about him on this podcast. <laughs> so also... Um, yeah, so they thought he was a carpetbagger. Okay. And which, when I looked up, like, the term is, like, very much a northern person coming to the south as part of Reconstruction. So one of the things with the carpetbagger, because I actually know this one, okay, is they're back in the day, because you and I were looking at luggage the other day. Yeah. Those That one type of bag that you had that opens up, those used to actually have the outside were made out of carpet. I know I had one thick. for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but those guys were so used to them traveling from the north to the south during the Reconstruction period, and they were automatically given jobs in government, especially elected positions, immediately because none of the locals, since they were all Confederates, were allowed to vote mm-hmm. because they all had their, their right to vote taken away in between the Civil War and the end of Reconstruction. Yeah. So these dudes just roll down from the north. They're like, fuck it, I'll just be governor. So this guy's literally yeah. a carpetbagger. So everybody, not everybody, but a lot of the locals yes. don't like what they perceive to be carpetbaggers yes. because they are perceived as exploiting the local population for a financial and political game. And outsiders. Also, yep. I found out that another term, I did not know this, but another term for carpetbagger was scallywag. Oh. So when they would call them a scallywag, it meant the same thing. Yeah. I just thought it was like a pirate term, but it actually means the same thing as carpetbagger. There was a lot of, um, after all this is happening with what happened after the Civil War, he actually implemented martial law in Arkansas for over four months because there was such a spike in Ku Klux Klan activity. Over 200 people were murdered and lynched. And there was all kinds of other types of violence against African-Americans. So he actually imposed martial law. And during his tenure as governor, 
the Republican Party splintered because they were, you know, they started breaking apart. And yeah. that's when the Democratic Republican Party changed, right? No, uh, that was later. Later. But that still, was much later. Yeah. In Arkansas, this is part of it. So yeah, yeah. they became two separate offshoots of the Republican Party. I can't imagine what that's like a yeah. moderate and a psycho version. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's who Pal Clayton is. So he's okay. just like, I just went into like a little hole of like, who is this guy? Yeah. What do you do? Oh, he's from Delco. Yeah. He's a Quaker. He's a Delco Quaker who goes who, to the who South. Who fought the Klan. Yeah, who fought the Klan. With martial law. And then he's like, I feel And like- then he was like, listen, we got to make this Eureka Springs place nice. <laughs> Call the railroad guys. Okay? Okay. So numerous stonemasons are brought in from Ireland to help to be- begin the-, the construction in 1884 of um, the Crescent Hotel. Due to the density of the magnesium limestone used to build the hotel, special wagons were constructed to move massive pieces of stone from the quarry site. So it's actually built on limestone, the whole cliff that it's on, because it's over, the people can't see, but it's like on this like cliff edge. So you're overlooking the Ozarks. It's beautiful, but it's actually built on limestone. And then nearby was a quarry of more limestone. And that's what the building is built out of. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so these massive pieces of stone are being moved, and um, the masons built 18-inch walls, several towers, overhanging balconies, and a massive stone fireplace in the lobby. It is a beautiful fireplace. I saw the picture of the fireplace yeah. in here, yeah. So let's talk ghosts. Yeah, let's talk ghosts. The most often cited apparition, ghosty, is a red-haired Irish stonemason who the staff have named Michael. Allegedly, Michael was one of the original Masons who worked on the hotel's building. However, while working, he uh, lost his balance and fell off the roof and died. Uh, He fell to like the second floor area and, you know, obviously didn't survive the fall. The area is now where room 218 is in the hotel. And so people that stay in room 218 are the ones that are reporting most having this like a uh, red-haired Irish guy bothering them. And you want me to go to this place where people <laughs> see a red-haired man and scream? Um, Michael is described as a really mischievous spirit who likes to play tricks with lights and doors and televisions and is often heard uh, pounding loudly on the walls. It's a hotel. Yeah. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. All right. It's a hotel. Uh-huh. I was in two hotels this week. Mm-hmm. I heard some loud pounding in the in, like, in the walls. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't assume it was a dead Irishman. Are you sure? I assumed it was somebody next door getting fucking railed. Okay. Oh, yeah, there's a tickly ghost that runs around here. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. It's a dead Irishman. <laughs> so as construction continues for the next two years, more and more workers are hired. And more and more of them die. That, it's true. Oh, um, really? Because yeah. oh. um, OSHA didn't exist back yeah, then. There's no OSHA. They're, have- I- they're Irish immigrants in the Ozarks. Yeah. You know, there's not uh, any type of oversight to make yeah. sure they're safe. They're like, dude, we just we just lost the Civil War. All right. Go over. Go climb that roof and die, you Irish Mick. Um, so they start putting in electrical lights, mo- more modern plumbing, steam heating an elevator, elevator, well, elevator. I don't know what we're talking. I'm just is. picturing a, a. It's 1886. But this is a big deal. Yeah, no, I'm okay, not. Okay, like this is huge. I don't I understand that. Yeah. I'm just saying that I'm picturing it's 1886, mm-hmm. and they have an Irishman who is just fleeing the potato famine or mm-hmm. whatever. You know, everything that's happening over there. He's fleeing oppression, comes to America, 
gets told there's some jobs yep. in the mountains. Yep. He goes and there's this giant limestone quarry. And they're like, he's like, oh, boss, what am I doing today? They're like, electricity. He's like, never seen it. <laughs> and he's like, he's running knob and tube wires yep. and just arcing across the entire yep. place. And the first three times he electrifies himself, it's hilarious. <laughs> but the fourth time, now he's a ghost. <laughs> Forever. Forever. Stuck in this hotel. Oh, what, is, what, what do we do at this hotel? Oh, we, we hit ladies with twigs until they no longer have uh, uh, scarlet fever. Oh, I'll watch. <laughs> um... So where did I leave off? I don't know. Oh, the, the they're doing extensive a, a, landscaping. Yep. Luxurious decorations and amenities are built in, in the hotel. Yep. So this is a big deal. And the former governor's like, make sure that we have plenty of walls to defend against the Klan. Yep. Ultimately, the hotel cost uh two hundred. Wait, two hundred and ninety-four thousand dollars to build back, back then. then. Back yeah. then, yeah. I did not even do the inflation math. But it's it's a lot, a lot of money, y'all. If you if you look up the 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 picture of this place, you're gonna go, oh, okay, fuck, this place was expensive, expensive. Um, so and it was considered an extremely extremely extravagant build for the time. Okay, okay so like this is crazy. Now, paranormal investigators, I just love saying that because it makes your eyeball twitch. Paranormal investigators have come to believe that limestone has a special ability to absorb and release electromagnetic and psychic energies. Okay? Oh, okay. Okay. So the Crescent Mountain, the hilltop the hotel sits on, is predominantly limestone. And the massive 18-inch thick stones used for the body of the hotel, um, they believe is a factor that contributes to the abundance of paranormal activity that the hotel guests experience. Isn't this the plot of the Ghostbusters reboot movie? Like there's that mountain quarry, remember? And like Gozer's in the bottom of it. Like that's basically the same plot. Like I, the, the mountain focuses I'm the energy. I'm not going to confirm or deny. Okay. I'm saying that paranormal experts okay. have said that limestone okay. holds psychic energy better. All right. Okay. It also holds like, okay, never mind. <laughs> no, nah, you know what? Fuck off. It's fine. Because <laughs> there's like a lot of fossils in limestone. Uh-huh. Are they confusing fossils with, with souls? It could be. Okay. Dinosaur souls. All right. Okay. All right. So the Crescent Hotel is completed in 1886. So all those Indian massacre sites, mm-hmm. because they weren't on limestone, mm-hmm. not haunted. Not haunted. Okay. Just wanted to check. So as you interrupt me, I lost my spot again. The Crescent Hotel was built, finished being built in 1886. Okay. It was obviously a resort for the most rich and famous. Yes. Um, following its grand opening, it swiftly established itself as a premier destination for the elite and well-to-do lavish accommodations breathtaking views top-notch amenities um yeah so people seeking a respite from the city basically yeah the hotel quickly gained a reputation for its opulent ballrooms exquisite dining experiences and the exceptional service for the next 15 years the hotel was operated by a company called the ESIC, and it was an exclusive hotspot. Okay? okay. She's doing great. And this is back in a time, by the way, when people could and would take two months off. Yeah. This is back because, one, if you're going to travel to a destination, it was going to take you forever to get there. Yeah. By two, train, because the train company's in on this. Yes, by train. Uh, but there's that part of it. But the other part of it, too, is like, you know, some people like like going on cruises weren't the same back then. Like they yeah. didn't have like destination cruises, stuff like that, like. If you got onto a, a boat that had a that had nice rooms, 
That was because you were traveling to England. Yeah. Like you were traveling to Europe and then you were returning back to America, maybe. So maybe we should do an episode on the Queen Mary. Speaking okay. of boats that are fun to ride and are spooked up. Okay. Um, In the lobby, a gentleman of the hotel right now. Yeah. In the lobby, a gentleman dressed in formal Victorian clothing, complete with a top hat, has often been spotted at the bottom of the stairway or sitting at the bar. Described as a distinguished looking gentleman with a mustache and beard. Um, many people have tried to talk to this ghost when they see him, but he refuses to speak or engage and will leave as soon as you try to like talk to the ghost if you see him. Oh, okay. Okay. The hotel's crystal dining room. Because he, he's an incel ghost. Is another place in the hotel that is often said to contain frequent paranormal activities. Other uh, beautifully dressed apparitions have often been encountered. Many seen groups of dancers, fully dressed attire, whirling around the room in the wee hours of the morning. Other reports tell that the 19th century gentleman who has been seen sitting at tables near windows and when he is approached will say things like, I saw the most beautiful woman here last night. I'm waiting for her to return. Oh, that's what he'll say? That's what he'll say to them. Oh. Okay. Okay. A former hotel. So so in in Casper, right? In Uh the movie Casper, like ghosts have a thing where like... Oh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? I know your brain, your pregnant brain probably can't find it. No. Where they have, there's like, they have unresolved issues, right? But once they resolve them, they get sucked to the afterlife where I guess they're reincarnated or something. I don't know. It's that Casper universe. Please don't reincarnate me after I make it off this earth. Yeah. Uh, So this guy, this guy literally is just like, I got, I, I died with a boner. Yep. I died with a boner and I can't leave until I see this pretty lady. Yeah. That's that's his whole thing. That's his whole shtick. Yeah. That guy. But it's the 1880s or 1890s, right? And mm-hmm. he's probably a guy like in his 30s. So like this is a racist ghost. Okay. All these ghosts are racist, by the way. Oh no. I've noticed so far that everyone you've described, like I've yet to I've yet to hear I've yet to hear of like anyone who definitely wasn't a racist white dude. Okay. Well, there's still more to go. Okay. Um, a former hotel waitress reported that she spied a vision of a Victorian bride and groom in the dining room's huge mirrors. The groom allegedly made eye contact with her before the couple faded away. Oh, and then right, be, you realize two weeks before that, she was on the Disney Haunted Mansion ride <laughs> where she happened to see a bride and groom ghost dance in front of a fucking mirror. Okay. Uh, was there a crystal ball speaking backwards as well? <laughs> The Victorian spirits that linger in the dining room are said to be very playful. Um, on one occasion during the Christmas season, the Christmas tree and all of its packages were found mysteriously moved to the other side of the room. Additionally, all the chairs had been moved to circle the tree in the new area. On another occasion, staff arrived in the morning to find the dining room in perfect order, except that all the menus were scattered about the room. Okay, but like people stay at this hotel, right? Yeah. And they have alcohol? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, I just fucking, can I tell you what I did when, uh, when I was in Baltimore? What? Right. So I do the, the White House thing. The okay. next day I wake up in Baltimore. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm riding down and I think as I'm riding down, they, they had glass elevators. So you can see the whole lobby. Yeah. And on the second floor, I see what I think is a continental breakfast. Okay. Yeah. So I walk over and I load up my plate. I toast my bagel. I load it up. And as I turn around, I see... A mob of people walking towards me 
all wearing name tags and like professional wear. And I realized I'm next to the conference rooms Mm -hmm. and I just robbed a fucking breakfast. (laughs) This is not for, this is not for guests. No. And it was good food. Yeah. I was at the fucking, this is like a Hyatt. This is like a Hyatt fucking Sinesta, like good food. Yeah. I robbed that fucking place. <laughs> and I was like, shit, but it's too late now. Okay. I've already toasted the everything you can't bagel. can't give the bagel back. Yeah. What am I going to say? Oh, I guess it must have been a ghost. Yeah, <laughs> done. Oh, hey, dude, we're drunk. We're in the middle of nowhere in Arkansas, and they barely have Wi-Fi. You want to move to Christmas tree to the other side and then circle it with chairs <laughs> like an AA meeting was happening towards a tree? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Must have been ghosts. <laughs> First thought. Um, okay, so here's what happens. How do we know it wasn't demons? Uh, it could have been. Could have been. Yeah. Um, so what happens is this hotel, while it really popped off there in the beginning, yeah, it actually quickly becomes unmanageable and falls into disrepair pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1908, well, before 1908, it closes down completely. That's actually a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. Remember, it opened in 1886. Yeah, it, it, went, it went hard. Yeah. But then it running it was just so expensive. Yeah. And they weren't getting enough people, so it actually closed down. Yeah, so 86 to 08. That's not, yeah. In 1908, it was reopened as the Crescent College and Conservatory for Young Women. Okay. All the, right. I don't like that. The, I already cuz this is this is a big building. It's a big building. Middle of nowhere. Uh-huh. And you're filling now you're filling it with young women. Yep. In the middle of nowhere. Nowhere. Crescent College opened and provided education to females. This is their wording. I didn't Ooh. write that. The college flourished, offering a comprehensive curriculum and fostering a vibrant academic community. The Crescent College provided young women with exceptional educational opportunities, empowering them to pursue knowledge and personal growth. Over the years, the college gained a reputation for its commitment to excellence, attracting students from across the country. Although the Crescent College for Women eventually closed its doors in 1924, its legacy remains embedded in the hotel's rich tapestry, commemorating an era of female education and empowerment. Okay. So 1908 to 1924. Not a long time. Not a long time, but that's that's, uh, 16 years. Yeah. Now, here's what I didn't like in that. Yeah. Uh, One, you said female. I that I that was actually a direct quote from um the hotel. No, website. I understand that. I understand yeah. that. But it, it gives me it's giving Ferengi. It's giving yeah. female. I don't human. like when people use the word female in certain there's certain content. There's certain yeah. Con, yeah, in contacts and things like it's that. Weird. Yeah, I only want to hear female uh when I'm reading at a zoo. Yeah. Uh like if I'm at a zoo and I'm reading a placard of what I'm looking at. Uh and that's about it. That's about, yeah, a bazoo may be a museum about animal bones. Another often reported spirit is a young woman who okay. once attended the Crescent College Conservatory okay. and um, was either jumped or was pushed to her death from a balcony. And today, guests report hearing her screams as she falls past their windows. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now, okay. there is another ghost that... I want to say something Okay, go quick. ahead. Um, it's a hotel, right? Yeah. With people mm-hmm. who's staying there. Yes. People scream all the time at hotels. Yeah. I heard something outside the window. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're also in the middle of the woods. Yeah. I've heard some birds mm-hmm. make some screams that I was like, yo, was that a person? And then you realize it's just a bird. Yeah. I'm just throwing it out there. Okay. 
Right. Throwing it out there like that girl got thrown out a window. Uh, or or she threw herself because she was in the middle of the woods and they were like, you're going to learn to read. And As she's someone like, no. who went to an all girls school, in the middle you of might want to throw yourself out of the window. No, I was in the middle of Philadelphia. <laughs> no, I know. I'm saying though. But <laughs> so now either way, it, you're trying to jump out a window. Move it from Northeast Philly. <laughs> move from Northeast Philly to the middle of the woods with these yeah. catty bitches. I was wondering Listen. too, because when I was looking at some of these images... The, the the creepiest one was the grainy black and white, this one. Yeah, with all the girls. With all the girls just sitting there. And you're like, yeah, ah, that's uh, giving me. That's it's nightmare giving, fuel. You know what it's giving? It's giving a, a combination of that one haunted nun uh, movie from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And The Shining. When The Shining picture of, the, of them at the end holding the yeah, glasses. Yeah, it has shining energy. It does. That hotel also haunted. But yes. we wanted to focus on this hotel today. Yes. Or I did anyway. Um, okay, so there's another ghost that is from this specific time period. Okay. Okay. His name is Brecky. B-R-E-C-K-I-E. Brecky? Brecky. Okay. okay. He's a four-year-old child. Okay. <laughs> of just... Richard and Mary Breckenridge Thompson. Okay. Dash Thompson, who the young boy died at the hotel due to complications from appendicitis. And he has been seen throughout the hotel bouncing a ball and playing. So there's this little four-year-old boy ghost that's running around the hotel constantly. Okay. And apparently if you go to the hotel and you have a ball and like roll it around the hallway, like it'll come back to you like somebody's pushing it back to you. And so a lot of the paranormal people will bring like toys to try to play with little Brecky. Okay. So I'm not going to trust anybody Okay. Who's driving around mm. calling themselves a paranormal investigator okay. that has a van full of children's toys. <laughs> okay. I want to throw that one the fuck out there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Second thing. Uh-huh. Second thing. Yeah. Uh, the ball rolls back to you. Okay. Bet the floors were built in 1886. Yeah. By, by Irish people. By drunk, were... dead Irish men. Oh, now they're just automatically drunk? Yeah. No, they wow. have to be. Wow. They have to be. Wow. Babe, Irish they took slander. A, they took a job. They got <laughs> off a boat. And then the guy was like, "The railroad company itself was waiting." Yeah, and was like, "Get on this train. Get on this train. We're going to a job. What are you doing?" So here's the thing. I'm I'm going to cut you off. Okay. When I was looking at the timelines for this little boy, and like, I think I'm like, "Who are these people? Who is this boy? Can we prove he even was here?" I found out that the boy was there um, during like 1912 ish. Would have, which would overlap with the all-girls school. Yeah. So then I was like, why the hell is there a four-year-old boy at the all-girls school? Dying of appendicitis. Yeah. So I then I'm like, okay, I need more information. So now I'm deep diving into it. So then I find out about this woman. Her name is Mary Carson Breckenridge. Okay? okay. She's the mother. Mary. It was Richard and Mary Breckenridge, their son, Brecky. Okay. Mary Breckenridge was an American nurse and midwife. Okay. Okay. So I found her wiki page. Oh, wow. She had a whole wiki. She has a whole wiki page. Which is pretty big for a woman at that time. Exactly. Yeah. So it turns out she's incredibly badass. Really? Yeah. She was the founder of the Frontier Nursing Service, the FNS, which provided comprehensive family medical care to mountain people of rural Kentucky. So the FNS served remote and impoverished areas off the road and rail system, only accessible by horseback. Okay. She modeled her services on European practices and sought to professionalize American nurse slash midwives to practice autonomously in the homes and in decentralized clinics. Okay. Okay. Several childhood connections and experiences in her youth um, made a real strong impression on her. 
and it committed her to this family-centered public health that she was modeling through midwifery and continuous care. So she was really into maternal care, child nutrition, immunizations, prenatal care, birth support, and postnatal checkups. And this is all fucking unheard of back then. Yeah. Let alone in Appalachia, Kentucky. So she was traveling around. Basically, she was doing, she was like battling anti-vaxxers. Yeah. Back in 1912. Yeah. She is Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. (laughs) She literally is. Yeah. So... Although her work demonstrated efficacy and dramatically reduced infant and maternal mortality rates in Appalachia, at a very low cost, her model of nurse-slash-midwifery never took root in the United States. Can you imagine why? I can't. <laughs> what reason? Uh, was it because it it, 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 the cost-benefit analysis was too perfect? It was too good. Yeah. They were like, if we do these things, well, listen, we have positive outcomes at a low cost. And if they these, said, get out of here, lady. If these people aren't constantly dying, then they won't work for nothing. Yeah. That's how we get Irish people drunk on a roof. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay, so in 1912, yeah. she marries Richard Ryan Thompson, a Kentucky native who was serving as the president of Crescent College and Conservatory in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Okay. So she meets this guy, Richard. They get married. Um, Let's see. Prior to having children, Breckenridge taught French and hygiene classes at the conservatory. Okay. So like, I guess that might be how they met is she was teaching these classes there on hygiene and she, he was the, and he was the president president, and he was like, Hey, listen, I know there's a power imbalance here, but it's 1910. Yeah. Um, anyway, also I found out that this teaching experience would put her in a great position because, uh, later at the end of this little tale, I'm going to tell you about her. She actually goes to France and serves in, uh, in the war as a nurse. In World uh, War One. Yeah. As she works as a nurse in the war effort. So, They get married. They have two kids. Their first daughter, Polly, was born prematurely and lived only a few hours. Their son, Clifford Breckenridge, nicknamed Brecky, was born in 1914 and died at four years old. So this did happen. Their son died in this hotel. So then he died in 1918 then. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so I was saying like this is the time when yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I I was sitting there thinking about it because I thought we said 1912 before. So 1918 is when he died. Um, So... Having experienced the death of, because she was married before, the death of her previous husband and her two children, Breckenridge committed herself to creating conditions conducive to health and well-being of children and families. Uh, She left what she described as an extremely unhappy marriage to this guy, (laughs) Richard. Yeah. Um, And so she left, took her back her old name, and that's when she went to go work uh, on the war front in France. But yeah, she was a total badass lady. Yeah. I liked her a lot. Hey, dude, you suck so much shit. She went to the war. Yeah, she was like, I've been through enough. Yeah. But yeah, so the little boy. I'm going to take a vacation at the war. um, But yeah, so she uh, founded the FNS and changed the way that midwifery worked in America. Yeah, and now her four-year-old son haunts a a, a spa in Arkansas. A beautiful spa. You can play a little ball with him sometimes. Okay. Okay, so then let's see what else I have here. In February of 1925. Okay. Okay, so the school closes. Hmm. Okay, February 1925. Yeah, yeah. School closes in February 1925. Claude Fuller, the former mayor and U.S. congressman of Arkansas, and Albert uh, Ingalls, he was the mayor of Eureka Eureka Spring, get together and they purchased the hotel together. 
Okay, so two so guys buy it. Two guys buy it. Two Again, politicians, politicians. Two politicians buy it. Politicians do love some real estate. So these are, during this time period, we have more ghosts associated with this time period. I could not find more information about them. But okay. other apparitions have been uh, cited in room 202 specifically. 202? In room 202, that used to be the uh, on-location doctor's office. Okay. And so it got turned into a room after they got rid of on-location doctors. Gotcha. And it's said that when you're in that room, you can it, all of a sudden it will become overwhelmed with the smell of cherry tobacco because he the doctor that used to work there used to smoke his pipe in that room okay and so it's often said that people see the ghost of this doctor sitting in a chair smoking a pipe watching you going watching you just just sitting there and just gonna sit there and watch you and my smoke this pipe real fast <laughs> yeah i don't know why the haunt the second floor of this building is the most haunted area <laughs> you would think it would be more the lobby but no, <laughs> you thought you were sleeping in a regular room. This was my office. In fact, where your bed is located, that's where I used to watch people die. Because I was a mountain doctor in the middle of a rich people hotel. It was not a successful rich people hotel for long, <laughs> but I'm a mountain doctor. My name, my, my doctor name is Dr. What? I didn't, you know, I didn't write it down. I'm, I'm that bad of a doctor. That people, <laughs> I look, tried to look him up when I did find his name and there was nothing. I don't it. even have a Wikipedia page, no. but this nurse does. <laughs> yeah, dude. She's um, a badass nurse. She's a badass nurse. Uh, so the nurse's dead kid has his own Wikipedia page. But me, doctor recommends you smoke cherry tobacco. I've been forgotten in the winds of time. That's why I sit at the end of your bed. <laughs> And I'll watch you sleep. Time for your examination. Mm. Um, okay, so room 424. 424. Four. Oh. Has a ghostly waiter that carries trays uh, up and down the hallway <laughs> and keeps trying to deliver food. So you'll get a knock on the oh, door. No! no, that's my hell. Oh, that's my hell. So he keeps knocking on the door trying to deliver you food. But then when you open the door, he's not there. Oh, no. He's the worst waiter. Dude, no, I said 420. I said, do you want to do some 420 in four? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. John no. Blaze, dude. <laughs> fucking stupid. I just stupid ordered room service. Fucking waiter. Um, others have witnessed hands coming out of bathroom mirrors. Okay. Heard cries of what sounded like a man falling from the ceiling. Okay. Other guests have been shaken during the night. And on occasion, a patron ran screaming from their room, professing they had seen blood splattered all over the walls. Okay. So it's ooky spooky stuff. It sounds just like a hotel to me. <laughs> I mean, like, I've been... Okay. I woke up the other day in a hotel. Yeah, I know. Right? And somebody had set my alarm. Uh-huh. There's yeah. a, there was a the clock radio in the place, mm-hmm. right? 6 a.m., this shit just went off. Because people are weird yep. when they stay in hotels. And also, when you wake up and you don't quite know where you are, you're just like, ah! Yeah. I just think the blood... I saw the walls were splattered with blood. Okay, did you turn a light on? Was it still splattered with blood? Was it dark? Are you... You've been drinking a little, bud? Have you not been drinking a little, bud? Because I, one time, I had been drinking too much for too long, Mm -hmm. and I made it to Alabama. Uh Uh-oh. And then I was informed that there was no alcohol for sale. Nope. And then I was uh, forced to not have alcohol yep. for that evening. And I saw shit. Yeah. It was a Motel 6. It's called Detox Tremens. Yeah. And you know what? I saw worms crawl out of the walls. Yeah. I saw all sorts of things. Yeah. And you know what happened? 
I did not go and check whether or not there was a lot of limestone underneath the Motel 6. Wow. I was like... So you didn't do your due diligence, is what you're telling me. I did me. not. Wow. I did not. I heard a baby crying, though. I bet you did. And I told that lady, shut that baby the fuck up. Whoa. And That's she was like, nice. uh, sir, we live here. Yeah. You're on our lawn, sir. Yeah. Um. Okay. All right. So... Let's get to 1937. Uh, that's not a great year. We're going to 1937 together. So in the 1920s, now, they're just it, it, something happened in the 1920s when these two politicians owned the place. It just turned into a weird fuck palace, and then yeah. a lot of people died. It's yeah, it's very well, according people, to the ghosts. According to the ghosts, die in hotels every day. Yeah, there is a lot of death in hotels all the time, constantly, and a lot of cruise ships too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, cruise ships have they have morgues on them. Yeah. There's a morgue in this hotel. We're going to get into that. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So in 1937, we're going to go on a little side quest here. We have okay. a little side quest because when, you know, so I'm like, I'm in my little uh, wormholes, if you will. And this one, this one went wild. My 1937 uh, wormhole. So I'm actually going to open up a second document because I have a Word doc in front of me called Crescent Hotel. It's all the notes I wrote on the, the Crescent, Crescent Hotel. Hotel. Okay. I had to make a separate document just for this little uh, wormhole I went into. Okay. Um, and it's about a gentleman named Norman Baker. Norman Baker. Not Norman, Norman Bates. Nope. Norman Baker. Norman G. Baker. Oh, he has okay. a G now. We're giving him a middle well, initial. Well, I'm just I'm saying what I wrote on here. His okay. name's Norman G. Baker. So Norman... Began his, his career as a vaudeville performer. He showed early promise as an inventor and machinist. He invented uh, through his company, the Tangley Company, Tangley, hmm, I don't know. Six, uh, he invented uh, an automatic air calope. I, can, I do not know how you're supposed to say this word. Uh, calope. Uh, it's a variation of a steam organ which was uh, in much demand for fairgrounds and circuses. Calliope. Calliope. Is that how you say it? Wonderful. Yes. Do you know what it looks like? Uh, I have like a general idea. I, took, I got my, a picture of it for you. Head. Put your glasses back I, on. I know. Just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember one of okay. these things. So he's the guy that invented that. It, and it makes the noises He invented circus steam noise. Oh. This is circus steam noise. Wow. Okay. So that's that's what he. that was his first big invention. Okay. Norman uh, G. Baker. Norman G. Baker. By 1904, Baker had become intrigued by traveling shows and um, the people that presented themselves as mentalists and other vaudeville performers. So he okay. actually ended up setting up his own troupe of traveling performers. Okay. He renamed himself Charles Welch and traveled the country um, where he would like change his outfit and like i think he put on like a fake mustache and a hat and then he would come out as the mind reader pearl tangley wait shut up yeah so, so his name is baker his traveling show he, he was the lead welch. he was charles welch but then during the show he would come out and pretend to be this mind reader pearl tangley but why pearl i don't know that's so crazy. There's there's no right. But or wait, reason. but Tangley though that that's the same name as his company. Exactly. So Tangley is going to come up. That name is going to be used a lot. Baker and Tangley. Okay. Those are his two like company names that he uses a lot. Gotcha. Okay. Um, in 1924, he got convinced about the potential for this growing field called radio broadcasting. Oh. So Baker went to the town of Muscatine, Iowa, 
and and filed for a permit for a radio station. Okay. Uh, In 1925, he opens the station. He gets approved. And they, you know, you receive your call sign for like what the the the, letters are going to be. be. And his letters were uh, uh, K-T-N-T, K-T-N-T, which kind of looks like you're saying cunt. KTNT. Yeah. Chosen for its explosive connotations, he um, nicknamed the KTNT to stand for Know the Naked Truth. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, TNT, you know, it's like the dynamite yeah. explosives and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, I would have just leaned into the KTNT. Nope. But he didn't have like drive time radio DJs no. back then. This is back when they're like, Welcome to KTNT, Know the Naked Truth. We're here to tell you the truth about everything. Yeah. Is the moon made of cheese? Is it owned by Jews? Find out later. So here's the thing. I have a feeling. He did sound like that. God damn it. Because he worked with the carnivals and the traveling people and the yeah, shows. So that's he the did, barker. He did. He was a barker. So he did kind of talk like that. Okay. Know the naked truth. Yeah. So he would use his, how do you say the instrument again? Oh, uh, the calliope. The calliope. He would use his calliope as the sign-on uh, sound. Yeah, so you would hear that. Okay. And then he would use his skills as a veteran carnival barker to create great radio promotion and announcement. Oh, you know what's funny is actually, uh, so I don't want to compare myself too much to this dude. Yeah, no. I really don't because I have a feeling I asked you if we could hit the no Nazi button and you specifically were like, we absolutely cannot. Yeah. Um, And so I have a feeling, I I have a feeling, but one thing with like my TikToks and stuff like that is like I learned how to make them interesting from doing street shows. Mm -hmm. So when I used to perform, sometimes we would perform like just on the street. And when you're trying to pull an audience in, you learn of what cadence to use to stay more interesting than other things. Mm -hmm. So is my cadence more interesting than the TV that's on in a bar or stuff like that or all these different stuff? So yeah, that's very neat that he took carnival barking and he learned... Hey, fella, come over here, and you're going to see the craziest thing you've ever seen. Listen to KTND. We're going to know the naked truth. Um, Naked. Ah. So Baker immediately began agitating voraciously against the alleged cartel of broadcasters, aiming at independent stations. Okay. So he's immediately going after the cabal? Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this was feeling. before the broadcast spectrum was truly regulated, and many news stations would interfere with each other. Okay. By 1925, Baker was the president of the American Broadcasters Association, a short-lived lobbying group against the monopolists. In particular, Baker railed against AT&T, which then, through the Western Electric, had a de facto monopoly on radio station transmitters. So, okay. Yeah. The cabal. I mean, well, to be fair, mm-hmm. AT&T was a massive monopoly. Yeah. And he was fighting a good fight against them for having complete control over the entire informational system at the time. Okay. An open, which, I mean, that is an open cabal. There is a thing there. <laughs> it's a lot like, all right, I have a feeling this is a lot, a lot like the Andrew Tate or the Tucker Carlson thing mm-hmm. where they're going to come forward and say, you know, there's a lot of problems in capitalism. The answer is... To sell to sell my weird energy drinks. Throughout his career, Baker was involved in almost continuous litigation of various kinds. Okay. Often libel suits against his detractors, real or imagined. 
The lawsuits deterred opponents and ensured a high media profile. He used his station to launch blistering attacks on innumerable commercial media and political groups, both locally and nationwide. Um, Along with various Tangley stores and a drawing school, Baker also published TNT Magazine and later was the president of Progressive Publishing Company, a publisher in the Daily Midwest Free Press. It was meant to undercut other newspapers, which Baker asserted were part of the conspiracy against him. Baker also operated a traveling campaign bus equipped with a thing. Calliope. Calliope. And he was in demand as a speaker for populist causes in the region. For example, he denounced mandated cattle TB tests, water fluoridation, vaccinations, and also aluminum cookware, which he claimed caused half of all cancers. Okay. All right. So I, okay. All right. So you, 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 you introduced me to Dr. Quinn medicine women, woman, mm-hmm. and then you're like, now here's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. This is a lunatic man yeah. who is running a, a giant Facebook group who is running around being like, we shouldn't be testing cattle for tuberculosis. Why waste our time? Why waste We're our time? We're just going to cook the tuberculosis right out of them on the grill. All I'm saying is meat is meat. I don't care if that meat is coughing before I eat it. Yeah. That could never go wrong. No. No. So I found one of the original flyers. This is from a New York Times article to give them full oh, really? credit. Um, just so you can look at it, but I'm going to read it to you. But okay. you can see it's the original article. This was part of his newspaper publishing that he sent out Yeah, for the TNT uh, radio show. I can't wait to see how much of this is still true. It says, um, TNT, the naked truth, um, Baker Publications. Here is volume one. Volume okay? one. Okay. Cancer is conquered. Uh, muzzing up our breadbasket. Trust propaganda in our schools? Question mark. The truth about the insurance grift. <laughs> tricks on tricks of mediums exposed. Shall we have in quotes state medicine? He can't, the, oh my god! He's the like, power of mind over body. Robbers in the night. Aluminum and the medical bigotry. <laughs> Norman Baker's page. News as we see it. So okay, so he's he's Alex Jonesing it. Like hard, yeah. He's Alex Jonesing the shit out of it. Now, what's funny is like when I'm reading, like when you're reading them off, like some of these are written in a way where you're like, "All right, well, talk to me more about this insurance graft. It's graft, actually. Uh, insurance graft. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about that. Trust propaganda in our schools. Yeah, that's why you have to ban the certain books mm. because the schools are propaganda. Obviously. Well, here's the thing, though, is actually as I'm looking at this, trust propaganda means different than what you're thinking. Oh, I see what you're saying. This is propaganda that's written by the big trusts, the yep. big monopolies. So there is like, he's one of these really weird, from what I'm feeling so far, he's one of these really fucking weird guys who notices that like there are things that are wrong and yeah. there's a wrong direction that some things are going in. But then he's like, aluminum cookware causes cancer. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know about that one. I but, don't know about that, dude. Yeah. But aluminum's kind of new. So, yeah. Uh, did they say aluminium? I like when That's people a British say that. Thing. I love when the thing. British say that. Yeah. Um, so I think we need to take our break, right? Because I feel like this is a good moment. Yeah. To okay. take a bump. To take, yeah. Let's go take a bump together. 
Okay. I, I don't like the way... Like, see? Yeah. It's bad when I say it. Yeah. I don't think I should say it. Because when I say it, it means something else. It does. But when I say it, it's just a fun little song that people hear. Rip your Barbie arm off. Let's do a bump. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We're back. We've we, eaten lunch. Yeah. We, we paused and ran off and ate lunch. We just, I, was, I was so hungry and I made a nice flatbread. You want to know what my flatbread was? Uh, I know what your flatbread was. It was uh, figs, goat cheese, a little bit of uh, prosciutto. Yeah. And then I baked it and then I topped it with arugula mm-hmm. and a balsamic glaze. Yeah. And then I ate that with truffle potato t- chips. Yeah. And I had a. I sound like a rich person. Yeah, and I had a store brand uh, sesame chicken with the driest rice in human history mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I made in the microwave over three minutes. Yeah. And then I stirred up and ate directly from the packaging. We had really different lunch experiences. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah. So let's yeah. get back to what we. But we're we both about. had a Tootsie Roll dessert. Oh, I know it was so good. Yeah. Sometimes you just need a little sweet treat. I'm coming back to the old grandma uh, candies. Oh, yeah, for like, sure. Like Tootsie Rolls? That was my grandma's thing. And so I'm just sitting out here with a bag of Tootsie Rolls. I love them. Well, you know I love the vanilla Tootsie Rolls, the superior yeah, Tootsie Rolls. you're roll. into the fruit chews. Oh, specifically the vanilla ones. But I like the other fruit chews as well. I like them a lot too because they're just saltwater taffy. Yeah. They're all just saltwater taffy. Do you know they make Tootsie Pops? So like the popsicle, not popsicle, taffy, right? What are you talking about? Tootsie Pops. Yeah. One, lollipop, that's what one, we're looking for. Two. It's a lollipop. And it has a Tootsie Roll in it. Did the baby drain so much of your yes. calcium that you forgot the word lollipop? The, the baby is moopsying me hard right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay. So in the classic Tootsie Pop, it's a little chocolate Tootsie Roll inside. And you yes. get like the cherry or the grape or whatever. But if you go to their website, you can buy Tootsie Pops that have the fruit chew inside. Okay. I just need you to know. That sounds crazy good. Okay. Are they paying us to say this? No. 
Then why are we talking because about it? Because it sounds delicious. Okay, so anyway, let's get back to... Okay, we're going back to the Alex Jones. Again, it feels like, real quick, just because I was thinking about this while we're eating. It feels like every time you're like, and then this man discovered radio stations. Okay, I need and you to it stop always talking goes bad. immediately. Just stop talking with your preconceived motions uh-huh. of what you think is happening. Okay? Okay. Um, so yeah, we're talking about the Crescent Hotel, but I'm on a side quest right now about yes. Norman Baker. Okay. And so last we talked of Norman Baker, he was starting his own publishing company and talking about, you know, fluorinated water and TB testing cattle, how that shouldn't be mandated. And aluminum cookware, and which I looked up. aluminum cookware I look, causes cancer, allegedly. I, I looked up. That does not. No. Because uh, obviously we all use aluminum foil. Yeah. And basically it was like, yeah, you know, you should use, you, it's not the best thing to constantly use. Yeah. But it's fine. Like it's, that's what that's what. There are way worse things. There's so many. There worse are things. people that put plastic liners in their crockpots. What? They, so like they make crockpot companies. They make like a plastic. It looks like a trash bag liner. Okay. And you put it in your crockpot before you put all your meats and potatoes and stuff in there. What? And then you cook your food in it so that you when you scoop out your food and eat it, you then pull the bag out and throw it away, and so you don't have to wash the crockpot. But I'm like... Just wash the crockpot. You're just soaking your food in hot plastic? That's crazy. Now, here's the thing. Here's one mm. thing to tell you real quick. Um, if you go and eat it at Wawa, which oh, is yeah. a delicacy <laughs> gas station food around here. Yeah. Applebee's, mm-hmm. Panera Bread. Yep. All those different places. Same thing. They are cooking everything in... They're, they're basically this pre-cooked food that is dumped in boiled water. Yep. That is in a bag. Yeah. So that way, that's the way they heat it. That's how they can heat it so, so quickly. You can do it at home if you want with crockpot bags. Crockpot bags. You are not going to sponsor this podcast. Do you want to have the flavor of Applebee's <laughs> in your home? Hey, is a credit card's worth of microplastics a day entering your body not enough? Crockpot bags. <laughs> okay. So speaking of crockpot bag cancer, it's like lead poisoning for our generation. <laughs> yeah. We all got it. Yeah, we're fine. Um, so. Uh, what's his name again? Norman we're a lot ba- funnier after lunch. <laughs> Norman <laughs> Pre-lunch, Baker. Pre-lunch, we were sad. We were not. I was having a great time. You were. Norman Baker. Wow. <laughs> wow. All right. Norman Baker okay. um, had read the writings of this guy, Charles Ozias of Kansas City, Arkansas. I, I don't like that name already. That name, that name feels racist. Charles Ozias uh, stated that he had the cure for cancer. Asserting his efficacy of it, even though his five test subjects all died expeditiously. Okay. But Norman Baker didn't care. He liked the cut of this guy's job. Yeah. So Baker became friends with, and I I could not figure out how they met or became business partners or friends, whatever. But he met this guy named Harry Hoxie. It's H-O-X-S-E-Y, Hoxie. Okay. So Baker gets this guy, Harry Hoxie, who, when I looked him up, is a was a former coal miner and insurance salesman. And <laughs> I love that. That's a great crossover. Yeah, crossover. Those bleed into each other wholeheartedly. Um, and Baker and him start promoting their own cure for cancer. Okay. In April of 1930, Norman Baker uh, began operating the Baker Institute of Muscatine and advertise his clinic on air. Okay. So the very expensive, I put this in the 
uh, quotes, very expensive cure for cancer and other diseases consisted of injections of a mix of common substances, including corn silk, watermelon seeds, clover, just water, carbolic acid. Simultaneously, KTNT denounced licensed doctors as educated fools and cutters incapable of helping patients. Okay. Now, where did these injections go? Were they in the butt? Um, I they, they didn't tell me where the injections were so going. So they were in the butt. But it was probably in the we're, butt. We're going to say butt stuff. This is It always ends up in the butt somehow with these people. So up the butt with Oziah. Baker said, no, Oziah is not in this. I know what I'm saying, but he liked Oziah. Yeah. So it's Oziah's butt cure, but except this is actually Baker's. Actually, this is, so the cure, in air quotes, came more from Harry Hoxie's idea. Okay. He had this idea. He said, this is his story that he made up. Okay. His garage story, that he was at his dad's farm, and one of his dad's horses had a big tumor on his leg. Okay. And he saw the horse trying to cure itself by eating certain things around the farm, and then that... um, detox the the tumor and cured the horse so things like clover and watermelon seeds he was monitoring what the sick horse was eating and that's why he turned those things into injections because it cured the cancer and got the tumor out of the horse's leg okay so i uh let me just step in here real fast okay go ahead um if my choice mm-hmm. is medical doctor yeah with multiple years degrees mm-hmm. who might not know everything yeah or a man who watched a horse <laughs> Intently. I'm just I'm just saying that's dip that feels difficult. If this was CNN, mm-hmm. both opinions would be the same. Yeah. They if I really... those both of these opinions are exactly the same. One guy is a fascist who's trying to become a dictator. The other guy is old and silly. They're same. Two, same the, thing. The other guy is two years older than the fascist. Same. The fascist is two years younger than the old man. So all right. You said medical doctor, MD. Baker was quoted as saying the MD stood for more dough. Because they were all about the money. Says the rich. Okay. At the time, the Journal of American Medical Association published an editorial accusing Bakery of quackery. (gasps) Baker announced that the AMA stood for Amateur Meat Cutters Association. What? And the AMA's main anti-quackist Morris Fishbein stated that Baker has even claimed that the AMA offered him $1 million for his cancer cure with the intent of forcing it from the market so his patents might be compelled others to resort to surgery. In turn, Baker attacked Fishbein for being Jewish and sued AMA for libel and defamation. Morris is back, baby. Fucking you Morris. may remember Morris from Quack from, from August uh, from Quack August month. Quack month. He is the anti-quack medical doctor. He's the best. So I, Morris is back. I can't believe you just haymakered me with a Morris Fishbein. <laughs> I brought a Morris in. Also, uh-huh. how dare you bring a quack into Fucktober? Well, this is the thing. I didn't realize I was doing it. Okay. I didn't know. I we, was on we, a side quest. We started at a haunted hotel. I'm still built getting by, there. Built by drunk dead Irishmen. We don't know. They were drunk. You're just assuming that. It was 1890. <laughs> Everyone was drunk. Because they didn't have clean water. Yeah. Okay. So in 1930, Baker reported that three men attacked and fired on the hospital. Uh, fired guns at the hospital. Okay. But police could find no evidence... Um, of that happening, except they did find proof that Hoxie Baker's uh, cohort had fired all the gunshots at the hospital. Oh, 
So so he did a false flag. Yeah, false flag operation. All right, so he did a false flag. All right, this is feeling this is feeling very Marjorie Taylor Green. In Greene. May of 1930, the All state right. of Iowa filed an injunction against Baker, Hoxie, and three others for practicing medicine without a license. In Muscatine, Baker conducted a huge Woodstock-like outside gathering um, for open-air curing of patients. Uh, this event drew tens of thousands who were urged to buy various Baker or Tangley products when they arrived. Uh, okay. Iowa's had a trial of Baker, right? So they begin this trial against him. Okay. It began in 1930 and gained nationwide attention. Simultaneously, Baker was called before the Federal Radio Commission in D.C. to defend KNT, KTNT's license. Baker and Hoxley turned on each other over the division of profits from the hospital and filed several lawsuits against each other. Reportedly, the Institute brought in as much as $100,000 a month, wow. which was spirited away in suitcases under the cover of night, but most went to Baker. Hoxley was already a nationally known quack, traveling from state to state, avoiding the law and Fishbine. <laughs> okay. If only there was a Federal Bureau of Investigation to look into these no. guys crossing state lines. In 1931, okay. the Iowa Supreme Court sustained the injunction against Baker and his practice. Also, the FRC uh, issued a damning report about KTNT, and after a court battle, the station was finally delicensed in June of 1931. Among cited reasons were venomous, obscene broadcasts against the public's interest. Baker returned um, from Mexican exile in 1937. So um, I guess he went. He did. So we're gonna we're gonna go into that, but. He never did a day in jail because he was told he had to go to jail after this, but he ran away to Mexico. Okay. When he comes back years later, he is put in jail for exactly one day and has to pay a $50 contempt of court fine um, that he tried to appeal, but the U.S. Supreme Court said you have to pay the $50. He took it to the Supreme Court. He took it over 50 bucks? Yeah. He went all the way to the Supreme Court. He was making $100,000 a week. Yeah. So... He's making he's do, making Alex Jones. What money. you're saying is, what do you do after this? Yeah. Baker runs for governor of Iowa. Okay, that makes sense. He ran on the farm labor ticket in 1932. He received only a few hundred votes, but the campaign kept his name in the news and kept yet another mouthpiece for his rants against local power structures. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that Chris Christie model. Yeah, yeah. You just yeah. got to keep your name out there. You're just, you're just all you you're using your name the same way you would a beach ball at a concert. Yeah. As long as it's in the air, you're still viable. But if the second a security guard grabs you and sticks you with a pen and deflates you, your career's over. Yeah. In 1932, Baker organized the short-lived United Farm Federation of America and appointed himself the permanent honorary member and chairman, drawing a salary, which caused the lawsuit. In 1933, so one year later... He doesn't understand honorary. No. Honorary's not supposed to pay. In 1933, having been run out of Iowa... Baker obtained Mexican permission to operate XENT in Nuevo Laredo in the Rio Grande. The station was so called a so-called border blaster operating nightly, recording from 150 kilowatts. The outside reach okay, so this would reach into the United States, but it was outside the reach of the US Federal uh, Communications Commission. Yeah. This reportedly made XENT the most period 
sorry, second most powerful station in North America because the first most powerful station was John Brinkley's, the Goat Balls guy. I'm on a Mexico radio. So that's right. Crossover to John Brinkley. Oh, my God. After Morris Fishbine. Oh, my God. Um, How are we going to get back to an Arkansas hotel? You better let me get there. I'm trying. A Baker Hospital. Um, so, <sighs> sorry, my stomach. Okay. the So then here's the thing. John Brinkley's uh, goat balls is beating him across okay. uh, with more power, as we know. He gets more power if you listen to that episode. But so this is still the second most powerful radio coming out of Mexico. Yeah. Um, Nightly, X-E-N-T broadcast, had a very eclectic mix of decidedly lowbrow entertainment. So he purposefully was going very lowbrow, whereas I believe John Brinkley was like trying really hard to push like a very specific type of narrative we talked about in that episode. This guy was doing hillbilly style music, tirades where he would just yell about whatever, Alex Jones. Yeah. Um, His targets were numerous and he would rail against um, uh, Jewish people, very anti-Semitic, anti-Catholic, just yell off into the night. Also, uh, one time he did broadcast live while having sex with his mistress on air. What? (laughs) What? Yeah. You boys ever been to Mexico radio? What the fuck? He was banging his mistress live. Was his wife listening? I don't know. I couldn't find any more information other than... It just said F- that? The FCC got real upset. That he was just railing her? He was in a 1930s microphone, no less. Yeah. That's which a- is one of those old-timey ones that you have to hold the back of. Listen. Oh, no. It might have been one of the big circular ones. Yeah. We're on... Oh no! You're hearing it live from EXTNT. So the Jews are trying to stop my penis. <laughs> in 1937. Okay. We're back in 1937. He comes back to America. He comes back to America in a spa and resort town of Eureka Springs, Arkansas. Okay. Baker found a city down on his luck. He bought the Crescent Hotel, cash which had been previously been haven for the rich, but had fallen into disrepair due to the depression. Mm-hmm. Baker converted the hotel into a hospital and treated thousands of desperate patients with his injections. The giant resort slash hospital opened in November. Reportedly, Baker accumulated hundreds of thousands of dollars, which he kept in various safe deposits known only to him and his new accomplice, Thelma Yunt. <laughs> Um, he, I miss I miss 1930s last name. Yeah, Yunt. Yunt. Um, Hoxley. It is believed that he hand. was clearing about five hundred thousand dollars a year in what he was claiming. Because again, this man is secretly funneling cash. He's at hiding points. it everywhere. But this is he put it out there that he made at least five hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah, well, that's probably what when people were paying him by a check. Yeah. So he knew like so that could be traced. So we're back at the hotel. Okay. We're back, we're in back the at the haunted Arkansas hotel. Crescent Hotel. We're back. Okay. It's 1937. Okay. He's purchased it. That kid's been dead. <laughs> He's been dead. Brecky's been dead running around. R.I.P. Brecky. There's, uh, people are still seeing a top-hatted man, though. Yeah. Even back then. So I just want to say, I have a note here that Baker was described as very handsome with wavy white hair and hypnotic eyes. And he was, again, said to be an incredible showman. So he was like a big personality live. Yeah. 
Well, um, he was a carnival barker. Like yeah. to remind everybody before we ate, went and ate lunch. I know for you guys that was just a few minutes ago. But for me, that was almost an hour. Mm-hmm. He was a carnival barker. Yep. He knew how to do mentalist shit. Yep. He, he learned basically everything he needed to do to be a cult leader. Yep. So. When are we taking our podcast to Mexico? During Baker's tenure at the Crescent, he made extensive modifications to the hotel. Okay. The interior underwent a lavender-themed remodeling, <laughs> adding a distinctive touch to the premises. The reason is, Baker is known for wearing white suits, purple shirts, and lavender ties, as well as driving an orchid-colored car. Okay. So he had a brand this whole time. I just never brought it up before. Yeah. He dresses like an orchid. He drives an orchid car. He loves purple, white, and lavender. And so when he bought the hotel, he redid the entire interior to be lavender and white and purple colors. And again, but if you go online and look at the pictures of this hotel, it is gorgeous. It's, it's so oak. pretty inside. It's limestone. It's so architecturally pretty. And he went in there and pay- landlord purpled it. He did a coat of landlord purple on that All right, thing. I'm pulling up a picture of this Norman G. Okay. Baker guy right now. And okay, in this one photo right here, uh-huh. he definitely looks, he's giving He's giving evangelical pastor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's definitely because now the problem I have is that all of these pictures are in black and white, uh, but he is definitely he's definitely serving um, uh, righteous gemstones mm-hmm. in this picture. Yeah, uh, because of the ring and all that different stuff. And he, his nickname was the man in purple. Yep, the man in he purple. He loved wearing purple and lavender specifically. But these glasses he has, he has the preacher hair though. Yep. That's he's got very that much Conan O'Brien little bip. Don't put that on Conan. Well, he's got the little bip thing. No, this is more. This is more of that that preacher helmet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got you though. I had one of the quotes I pulled from uh, one of the like uh, sources I was reading about this. It said, "When he bought the Victorian and neoclassical Crescent Hotel, he desecrated the interior with these colors." <laughs> Desecrated. <laughs> That's how they felt about his lavender uh, paint. When when you started describing the white um, the white suits, all yeah. I started picturing, I just started picturing like if Colonel Sanders, uh, if, yeah, like, like it's just, that, yeah, but just, white and purple, yeah. Okay, so Baker ensured his own security with an escape route from his office onto the first floor, concealing a hidden staircase. So he built in a hidden staircase from his office. Yeah. His office. When your doctor's planning on being raided by the FBI, uh, that's not great. <laughs> his office boasted a unique six-sided desk that served as the nerve center for his six different businesses, showcasing his entrepreneurial spirit and unscrupulous nature. Okay, uh, I'm trying to pick. Oh, uh, you know, I okay, I guess because of the different drawers, each mm-hmm. like filing cabinet, I guess you might have yeah. inside the desk. But why don't I just get six filing cabinets? You What's, fucking weirdo. Because you got because it's a vibe. This dude is definitely about a vibe. He definitely yeah. He's like our economy. It's run on vibes. Um, patients who came to see Baker's hospital were promised that if their cancer wasn't cured in three to six weeks, they could return for more treatment in quotes free of charge, except for board, room, and transportation. <laughs> uh, that was according to court documents. Medical examinations at the hospital consisted of palpitating patients and pinching them and looking at them that's about it pinching and looking um baker's facilities didn't contain any microscopes baker also offered guaranteed cures for less dire conditions such as hemorrhoids and varicose veins 
using the same handful of ineffectual injections regardless of the disease being treated. Okay. So again, watermelon seeds. Yep. Uh, you got hemorrhoids? He's just not... Here's the good news. He's not sowing animal parts inside of people. He is giving them false hope and letting them die. Listen, but, um, we all can't be a Brinkley. I do want to say, just because I was clicking around here uh, mm-hmm. on the Google image search, and it led me to the Muscatine County website okay. of Muscatine, Iowa, yep. where they have they have notes... Norman has made it to their famous people from yeah. Muscatine, Iowa. Take that down, guys. Uh, yeah. I mean, no, I mean, it's, it's telling really the history of him in general, just like what a quack he was and everything else. But it's very, it's just very funny when you start clicking on things. And you're like, where am I? Visit Muscatine, the official website. <laughs> you're like, what? Oh, my God. Okay, so whenever you would enter uh, the hospital. So, again, the, the hotel is now hospital. Whenever you would enter the hospital, you would they had um, in the lobby area, hundreds of bottles little glass bottles and these were supposed tumors and human flesh okay so they had little bottles filled with liquid and they had like tumors he cut off of people in them and all this stuff and he would display them all over you know making him look like a real doctor and these were his specimens that he removed from people and he saved their lives so he just has just jars of jars of people parts everywhere yeah Come um, on in. Let me stick you with a needle real fast. Give you some sunflower seed. I I don't know why he's speaking like a Louisiana, Louisiana man. Um, after the Iowa hospital accent. was shut down, all of the specimens were removed from the building. So I hope so. Baker treated hundreds of people, patients who were grasping at straws, trying to get cured of their deadly disease. Yep. No cure ever occurred. However... Um, he did extract literally millions of dollars. He made millions of dollars from this. Yeah, he didn't remove any tumors. He just no. removed some wallets. Um, he scammed everybody by pretending that he could cure the cancer. Um, and many, many patients died. And so, yeah, there there was always a, a morgue basement area because just like a cruise ship, there were so many people there for so long. They had to have an area. He actually expanded the morgue. Oh, yeah. He was like, I am so terrible yeah. that I expected these. I expected this is not enough. Yeah. So he actually expanded the basement morgue and built out like an annex area. What? Um, so. We, sorry, we had to charge more. We're doing upgrades for our morgue. So Arkansas tried to, but was unable to close down the Baker Hospital. How could you not? How? Be- how shitty is your government? Because Eureka Springs refused to let the state in because he had revitalized the economy so much and provided so many jobs that every time the state would try to raid or come in, everyone from Eureka Springs would hold them off. So they, they had to keep Y'all, we can't stop Murder Mountain. <laughs> if we close Murder Mountain, then who is going to come to the diner? Yeah. That's literally what they're at. We would we would love to close Murder Mountain. We would absolutely love it if Murder Mountain wasn't here. Mm-hmm. But if it it wasn't for the jobs that Murder Mountain provides to this town. Yeah, this is a like the Don't Look Up movie. It's just 100%. This is Oh, but think of how many minerals are going to be on the comet. Those are going to be good jobs <laughs> on the comet. Um also, at this point in time, people started uh, writing about how he was starting to age kind of like grossly. He was like getting a little hefty and a little, a little weird, a little ugly looking. People are yeah. starting to notice. And like, so when people are writing about him at this point, they're like, he went from he's a- girthy. They're using the word girthy. It's so, really fucked up. Because he's fat. He's yeah. rich. 
He's rich and fat. Because back then, like, that was the only way to get that way. You had to be super rich to be able to get plump. At that time, also, it was reported that he would always have one or more submachine guns within his reach at all times. This is what I want from my doctor. <laughs> I want my doctor to have a hidey hole, uh-huh. a Saddam, a Saddam Hussein-style escape hatch into a spider hole yeah. where he has multiple Tommy guns waiting. Yeah. He only dresses in purple <laughs> like the bad guy from the first season of Jessica Jones. Uh-huh. He's like, what the fuck is going on here i'm the purple man let me cut you <laughs> what the fuck? uh okay so the federal government okay brought charges against norman baker with seven counts of mail fraud oh because this whole time the postal inspectors are on his ass yeah about him mailing things illegally yo let's hear for that comstead <laughs> act i know we talked mad shit a few uh, a few episodes ago <laughs> About all the awful that Comstead Act did, but let's We're hear checking the- your mail, baby. We're reading it all. Yo, who's got that? Who's reading his mail? His name is J. Edna Hoover. <laughs> That's right. I said Edna. So the case opened in 1939. Okay. Was complicated because um, Baker had no formal post at the business. He exercised his control by using different proxies. So we had all these fake little LLC companies, had a bunch of shell like companies. Tangley, little shell companies, yeah, yeah. and he would send all his mail through there. So the mail never had his name on it. So never, none of this officially was his mail. So he's yeah. like, how could, how could you I guys, commit crime? How was it me? You can't prove it was me. It wasn't me. No, that um, wasn't my Twitter account. That was uh, Dark Dick Lord sixty seven ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, prove that's me. However. Despite his many appeals, all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court again, again. Baker was sentenced to four years in jail and four thousand dollars restitution. That's it. Only in four ja- grand. He was making. I know. He was publicly making half a million a year. In January of 1940, the court found Baker's cure for cancer a pure hoax and utterly false, and jailed him pending appeals. Baker served his sentence at the penitentiary at Leavenworth, Kansas, Okay. Uh, from May of 1941 to July of 1944. So four years. So the entire, like almost the entirety of World War II. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is out there and they're like, listen, we're just going to throw your ass in jail because you keep killing soldiers' grandmoms. Yep. Um, their moms and grandmas keep getting cancer. And then you keep taking them to this purple room mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where you go, I learned this from a horse. And then you stab them with needles. Yep. And then they die. Uh, you're making our troops sad. We can't lose the war. In 1946, okay. Norman Baker attempted to return to, in quotes, healing by establishing a research foundation in Muscatine again. Um, but the state of Iowa refused permission, uh, in quotes, in the interest of the public. Yeah. Okay. Baker then retires to Miami, Florida. Where? Well, okay. This is the, this is the first thing that, that tracks. <laughs> Goes to Florida. Him going to Florida makes total sense. And it said, this is a quote, he retired ostent- in ostentatious comfort. Um, he died on September 10th of 1958 of cirrhosis. Um, at the time of his death, he was living aboard a large yacht that was once owned by railroad uh, baron Jay Gould. Okay. That's the end of his life. Good. I'm glad he's dead. I'm going to go back to my hotel page. So so he owned the hotel for a while. Yeah. He gets goes, goes he to jail for mail fraud. Mail fraud. So what happens to the hotel next? So real quick, I did want to go, when I go back now from okay. my little side quest, the Norman G. Baker Hospital slash health resort. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the ghosts. 
We gotta get back to oh, the ghosts. Oh, where the ghosts that came from this? A lot of people died. Okay. A lot of people died in there. Well, yeah, because he was like, I'm gonna cure your cancer. You know what that reminds me a lot of, by mm. the way? What? Because the one guy you talked about earlier who had the really, uh, the old racist name guy, when he was like, oh, you know, he tests on five people, but they all ended up dying anyway. Yeah. It, it reminds me a lot of Elon Musk and uh, he wants to put chips in people's brains. What? And they test, yeah, he has this this biochip he wants to put in people's <sighs> brains. God, what? This is a it's called neuro- spooky ookie. This is not time for Elon Musk. No, no, it's fucked sober. This is fucked. <laughs> it's it's Neuralink, right? Okay. So he has this company called Neuralink and they, right. they tested it on monkeys, uh-huh. right? And all like a bunch of the monkeys died. Oh no! Like pretty quickly. Oh no! And they released this report. Like reporters released this report. Like Elon, you murdered a bunch of monkeys. And his reply was, uh, "Those monkeys were terminally ill." And it's like, uh, you ah, uh, that's the same grift. It's the same grift, Elon. Yeah. I've, they were gonna die anyway. It's like, well, then, oh, then you don't have no. any good data from this. I forgot to show you this. I found, um, again, New York Times yeah. stealing your imagery to show Alex. I don't care. I found um, an original flyer for when he turned it into the hospital. Oh, okay. And across the top, in what I can only describe as Looney Tunes lettering, it says, where sick folks get well, the Baker Hospital, we cure cancer, dot, tumors. Without operations, radium, or x-ray, every room has a connecting bath. And then, uh, let's see, we do not cut out any organ is a, a little sticker. And we treat all ailments is another sticker. Here, have Let a look. See. You're right. That really is. Yeah, where sick folks, sick, sick folks get well in like cursive. And also with the word folks, like yeah, that's folks, all folks. That's all folks. And it's almost the same exact font as yeah. Warner Brothers Looney Tunes. That is hilarious. It also, though, because this is like an old-timey 1930s poster, Yeah. if this was like faded and tattered and hanging on a wall, terrifying. Yeah. That's when you're like, yo, this place is fucking haunted. haunted. Yeah, dude. This was not only a hospital, this was a grift hospital? Yeah, grift hospital. Oh. After being an all-girls school. Listen, okay. This hospital, we're getting up there for like every ghost trope. Yeah. It was from the Victorian era. Mm-hmm, we had those. It was Victorian era. Mm-hmm. Dead drunk Irish people. Yep. Who suffered. Yep. Girls school. Yep. All girls school. All girls school. Now we got a grift hospital. Yep. That was just full of, that had an expanded morgue. Yeah. Okay. So who died? Okay. So uh, let's see. There's a lingering spirit of a nurse dressed in off all white, which is often seen pushing a gurney on the third floor. She's okay. only been spotted after 11 p.m. Okay. Because um, after 11 p.m. is when uh, Baker would have all of the deceased move through the hospitals because he didn't want the people to be awake to see the dead bodies being rolled through. Oh. So every night after 11, he would have them move to the morgue. Um, And so there's this one ghost that people say they see. And some people haven't seen her, but they can hear the wheels uh, going across the floor late like, at night. Like the a third squeaky floor. shopping cart? Yeah, the squeaky shopping rattling of the gurney rolling past wow. them. Wow, okay. Um, let's see what else I have here. Uh, da, 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 da. I'm not even going to debunk that one. I want that one to be true. <laughs> um, so the morgue, is all, the morgue is just like really spooky, ooky, haunting. I want to stick with Victorian <laughs> kids. Victorian kids I was comfortable with. Yeah. The, the off-white, the nurse in the off-white clothes pushing a gurney looking for bodies that is <laughs> that is holy shit 
Um, <laughs> oh my god! If that was in a movie, I'd be like, "All right, dial it back." <laughs> Fuck you! A little too much. Yeah. Um, okay, so the so morgue. So then, in the morgue, there's still the original autopsy table and walk-in freezer. Okay. If you go when you okay, so I didn't really get in this in the beginning, but when you go to the hotel's main website, not Booking.com or whatever you're on, they have pages and pages about how haunted it is. Uh. Babe, it's right there. That's oh, the morgue. There it is. Oh my god, there's a picture of it on Booking.com. It's, it's on Booking.com. That is the <laughs> Under morgue. The spa. <laughs> um, and then they quote next one. Well, guess love most. Loved how they kept it authentic yet still had modern comfort. <laughs> <laughs> so if you go to this hotel, the they rooftop have- bar was nice enough. <laughs> it. it just says was nice enough. Just nice enough. Oh, fuck. Um, you can go on their tour. It costs like a fee and they go on like a haunted tour at night. So okay. when we go there, we're definitely taking the haunted wait, tour. Wait, wait, wait. When we go oh, there? Oh, we're definitely going there. Okay. Um, okay. I'll book Arkansas, I guess. <laughs> Are there any comedy clubs in Arkansas? Someone they let just, us know. Are they just shooting galleries? I've performed in front of axe throwing targets before. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's also a laundry area located on the third floor where... Um, hotel maintenance has uh, reported multiple times that all the washers and dryers will explicit, uh, inexplicably turn themselves on in the middle of the night. So late at night, the washers and dryers just start going off. This is, again, believed to be part of um, Dr. Baker's staff because, again, they're only doing laundry at night. Okay, but I feel like, so there's no dying cancer patient ghosts? I didn't get there yet. Okay. Um I'm just going to throw out there, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Irish immigrants right off the boat, thrown onto a train, did the wiring. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> I just want to throw that out. <laughs> oh, the washer dryers turn on. How old is this building? Okay. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, also, Dr. Baker himself has been seen um, on the first floor stairway um, and in the rec room. And sometimes in the basement. So he's been reported. Sightings of him have been reported everywhere. And whenever he's seen by people, he's always dressed in a purple shirt and a white linen suit. Okay. And they, people that have seen him, allegedly, you know, saying they saw this ghost of him, always say that his ghost looks incredibly confused. <laughs> he's trapped. His soul I is. His soul is trapped. His soul is forever he trapped. He was like, I was in a, on a yacht in Miami when I died. How the fuck did I end up in Arkansas? <sighs> You know what? You're starting to really sell me on that. I want ghosts to be real now. The fact that he, yeah, he died on a Miami yacht. Yeah, of a imagine oil, dying, or a yeah, baron. yeah, on a railroad baron's yacht with all your wealth, having gotten away with all of it, ostentatious in Miami. Yeah, after you fucked your mistress on the radio, uh-huh. and you're ostentatious, what you probably shitting in gold. Yep, and then you then you wake up, and for the next century, <laughs> you're just walking around. Your old fucking grift hospital. Yeah. And it's just fucking shitty tourists now who are like, I heard there's ghosts. Oh, let me tell you this place. I was going to get into a little bit later, but it's packed with paranormal investigators, babes. Oh my God. YouTubers filming videos, people with the little radio boxes walking around the whole thing all the time. Apparently once a year they have a big um convention it's like a paranormal convention held there every year hosted by the hotel itself yeah where hundreds and hundreds of paranormal explorers show up to go through and you know look for ghosts and spirits and everything yeah so if he is he is being tortured 
endlessly, no doubt. I love that I just open up their website and it has an auto roll yeah. that runs through quickly of what you can see on this. Mm-hmm. And the the disparate worlds that they're showing, the man, eating a, the man eating an enchilada pizza, a ghost tour, old people just giggling, a oh. woman having a wedding, but it's a spooky wedding. Yeah. Then there's a lady getting fucking hammered. Like, it's yeah. just, this is a weird place. I know, Arkansas. I love it. Um. Okay, so also, for a very long time, there was a switchboard that was used throughout the entire hotel, you know, to... Yeah, um, yeah, like old... old yeah, because it was... switchboard. Yeah. And it was utilized... All the time, like not uh, up until not that long ago, um, because the switchboard kept getting phone calls from the basement and there was never anyone on the line because there's no one in the basement. Okay. So this happened after started happening after he owned the hotel where they would just get these random calls on the switchboard like the front desk would answer and it's the basement calling again. But there's no one down there because after the hospital closed, they closed off the basement morgue. Yeah. So that's super spooky. Spooky. Why not um, just remove the wiring? Okay. Okay. I'm just going to throw it out there. I mean, it sounds, again, remove the wiring. Another remnant of the old hospital days is a ghostly figure who calls herself Theodora. And she's often seen by housekeepers in room 419. Theodora is very courteous and often introduced herself as a cancer patient, but also vanishes quickly. She has also been known to be seen fumbling outside of her door like she can't get in without a key to 419. Okay. So she's always in 419. Um, and she has said to the paranormal investigators that she was a cancer patient and died there. Okay. Okay. In the spring of 1946, the Crescent Hotel was purchased by John R. Constantine, Herbert E. Shutter, Herbert Byfeld, and Dwight Nicholas. You mean to tell me Uh that John Constantine bought the haunted hotel? Yep. Okay. Yeah, all right. This is fucking... I know the writer's strike is over, but Jesus Christ, guys. (laughs) All right, so John Constantine buys the hotel after the war. Okay, so this would be a significant chapter in the history of the Crescent Hotel, as this is the moment it goes under... Um, a really transformative period of renovations. Okay. So the four guys, I looked them up, nothing interesting to be said about any of them really. Um, They were set, like they had a goal to restore the hotel to its former glory. Um, And so basically I think they just scraped off all that landlord purple and refinished all the natural wood oak and everything. Yeah. And they wanted to um, breathe new life in the historic establishment and... I just put a big note, removed all purple paint. One of their key strategies uh, was to establish vacation packages in collaboration with the Frisco Railroad. So they're still collaborating with the railroad. Gotcha. And their big idea is they're going to do what's called an all-inclusive vacation experience. Yeah. And that had, I guess, not been done before. So they invented hedonism. (laughs) Come to the Crescent Hotel. Mm-hmm. Cheat on your your spouse. Get fucked by a ghost. Oh no! Um, so imagine going to a key party at a haunted hotel. Well, imagine <laughs> that's how I could fucking say. So the packages would be part of the train experience itself. Yeah. So it'd be like this luxurious train, luxurious hotel. 
Um, and then it, it was just like a rebranding, a remarketing, yeah. and also getting rid of all the hospital vibes. It kind of reminds me of, remember when we were looking, because uh, we saw the thing about in Canada, you could take the trip from oh, that like big, Seattle. That, train, that big train. Yeah, and you go all the way up to Banff. Canada. Oh, I forget what that train was called. Yeah, it had a name for it, but it was this big, beautiful riding train. But I, I had to. I was like, well, how much is it? It's so much money. It was so much money because we had to actually. Um, I had to go to a website and give them my address so they would mail us a catalog. I know. And then the catalog, it was like twenty thousand dollars. It was, it was insane for yeah. two people to ride a train from the I think, Rocky Seattle. Mountaineer. That's what it was called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool. It looked really, it looked it's fucking super cool. Because cool. the train has like glass sides. Yeah, it's the so train is can, designed for a watching experience. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's like a week train ride. It's basically, the, uh, for the listeners, imagine a Viking River cruise, mm-hmm. uh, but it's a train. Yep. And you have stops and there's places along the way and you go all the way basically up to Canada and you go into Canada into these really beautiful scenic passes and all this stuff. And then you get to a hotel like this. Because remember, it was a it massive exactly like this, yeah. ski chalet style place. And then they have, you know, it's mountain stuff. But it's the same general idea. Yeah. But And that's what you're describing. Yeah, that's, is that. they're gonna yeah. Start, that's their branding now. Okay. Um, on March 15th of 1967, the hotel was nearly burned to the ground. Oh. Um, the only living owner at this point in time was Dwight Nicholas. All the other three guys died. Okay. It was a devastating fire attributed to faulty wiring. What the fuck have I been saying this whole time? I've been saying it the whole time. Mm-hmm. You can't let these Irish do wiring. Okay. And then expect it to be working. This, this anti-Irish long. sentiment is not okay. It's not? It's not okay. Okay. All right. You. All right. So. I blame the Welsh foreman. <laughs> it's the Welsh foreman's fault. All right. Um. For trusting all these Irish immigrants. Uh, The fire ravaged the penthouse level and a significant portion of the fourth floor. The destructive incident prompted necessary renovations and repairs again. Okay. Because I think the last time, though, they were doing mostly aesthetics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because of this fire, they were like, I guess we have to redo the wiring. Yeah. And the plumbing. Yeah. Um, Did anybody die in the fire? So... (laughs) We got to add to the ghosts, right? I'm about to add to the ghosts. Okay. Okay. In 1973, 10 years later. Okay. Or a little bit less. 1973, the hotel records show that an orange tabby cat named Morris walked into the lobby and stayed for 21 years. The cat became such a fixture of Crescent Hotel that he was referred to as the general manager. Um, this is a quote. This cat became the cat that not only the hotel, but also the uh, the cat of the hotel but not also the community a local resident recounts during those years no visits to the crescent would be complete without a morris sighting or better yet a chance to pet the hospitality icon and since the crescent was and continues to be the center for so much community activity that cat became our cat we loved him and we would see him enter and exit through his specifically constructed kitty door the portal was flanked on both interior and exterior sides by carpeted steps to allow ease of comfort for coming and going. To further prove the heartfelt sentiments of the local citizens toward this feline, when Morris died, more than 300 people attended a farewell ceremony for the cat at the hotel. His wake was followed by his internment on hotel property. And today, visitors can step outside onto the east lawn area and there is a headstone for Morris. 
Uh, Morris the cat is still seen walking through the hallways and hanging out through the lobby and meows loudly. The ghost of the cat haunts this hotel. Yeah, but the cat was the only one with a good death, like a respectful death. Every other death you've described to me has been terrible. Mm-hmm. Terrible. The cat walked into the front door one day and they just started feeding it. Yeah. And 21 years later, he has a peaceful death. And then 300 people come to this cat. No one went to the dead Irishman's funeral. Mm-mm. He was buried in the floorboard somewhere. But Morris was so nice. Yeah, well, he's a beautiful orange cat. Yeah. Little orange tabby. Probably, did, probably didn't have a brain cell in that head. <laughs> probably dumb I know hell. orange cat's got a walnut oh, in there. God damn. No, no nut, just I, shell. <laughs> honestly, Morris probably didn't leave because he just kept seeing them ghosts. And he's like, y'all seeing this? I'm going to stay right here. I'm this not place is, This place is fucking wacky. This little kid keeps playing ball with me. Yeah. Probably having the time of his life. Fuck this kid. Cats don't like little kids. In 1997. Oh, my God. (laughs) Marty and Elise Ron... I can't say this last name. It's R-O-E-N-I-G-K. Ronick. I'm going to pretend the G is silent. Ronick. Marty and Elise Ronick purchased the Crescent Hotel for $1.3 million. Overpaid. They oversaw a six-year restoration and renovation of the hotel rooms. Marty sadly died in a car crash, but Elise remains the current hotel's owner. So this is the point in 1997 when Elise takes over that we get a real revamp on the hotel to make it more of what we would love now. Yeah. This is where the spa really pops off. They've got like the Turkish hot stone spa, the whole deal in there now. Yeah. I was looking, I'm on their website Mm because you mentioned it and I'm uh, like looking at it. Yeah. They have the new moon spa. Yep. They have daily activities. It seems like a lot of people just play a lot of chess there. Okay, that's uh, the ghost tours. Ghost tours. Uh, they have food. Lots they have food. a sporting club, which really just looks like an axe throwing place. Yep. Uh, there's events, some live music. They have a pool. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some local trails, and then there's like they're like oh stuff local to do. Attractions, yeah. Yeah, there's some stuff to do around our shitty little town. And you're like okay, okay. Um, Is that a gun? What? Yeah, that guy's shooting. That's probably at the shooting area, the gun range. Oh, it's a BB gun. Okay. Okay, so she really made it very au courant, right? Like, she brings it up to the 21st century. Yeah. New website. She, she like, does the whole thing. Uh, not just new, first website. You first, said 96 yeah. they bought this thing. Yeah. I mean, 97 or whatever. Yeah, web, websites were just becoming yeah. a thing. Well, it's a great website. I'm looking at it. It's beautiful. It is. It's crescent, crescent-hotel.com. Um, in 2019, Okay. we're fast-forwarding a little. Okay. We're getting closer to our time here. They had an anti-vaxxer convention. In 2019, <laughs> an accidental discovery revealed, in quotes, the mind of Norman Baker. What? The charlatan who ran the hotel as a fraudulent, in quotes, cancer-curing hospital in the 1930s. An archaeological excavation uncovered hundreds of bottles of Baker's, in quotes, secret formula and jars containing his medical specimens removed from patients. The eerie collection... Uh, was added to the hotel's um, mac- like macabre ambiance. So what happens is, while they're working to extend the parking lot on the north end of the hotel, um, they're, they're digging up to make this parking lot bigger. Yeah. Um, a landscaper slash gardener named Susan Benson, who works there, she's um, trying to like redo some of the landscaping around where they're going to do the parking lot. And she finds some medical looking bottles and she knows obviously the history of the place. Yeah. And one of them, um, she calls the ghost tour manager, Keith Scales, and is like, hey, is this one of Dr. Baker's bottles? 
And upon his arrival, Scales is like, yeah, those are definitely the type that used to appear in his advertising posters. Um, and they were, they found a bunch of them that had like, still had liquid with stuff floating in them. Wow. Stuff and things. Um, and so the call, when they call, she called the haunted guy to come say like, are these what I think they are? And he's like, yeah. So then they had to call the hotel and tell them what was happening. And that led to a stop order where uh, the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville had to come in along with the state police crime lab and a hazmat team to took months to get this dig underway to pull out all these medical bottles. Yeah. Um, what happened was the Arkansas Archaeological Survey, uh, part of the University of Arkansas system, along with hazmat teams, slowly um, went through all the layers of soil and meticulously pulled out hundreds of these bottles of things so basically what happened was remember how i told you when we we're talking about baker is that after he uh got rid of the hotel and was in prison they got rid of all the specimen bottles the new buyers were told that those bottles just like went to a dump but it's not true norman baker just had them dumped in the back of the building like <laughs> he just had them dumped in a field in the back. They didn't move the bodies. They just moved the tombstones. <laughs> yeah. They just moved the tombstones. So um, they dug them all up. Yeah. And when you go on the haunted tour now, I believe that those bottles are in the morgue now. Okay. Um, And so what happened, allegedly, yeah. is that once they started moving all of these things out of um, the ditch and brought them back in the hotel... They had even more ghost activity in the morgue than before. What if those are Mitch McConnell's Horcruxes? I mean, it could be. It's possible. <laughs> okay. It could be. All right. So, so now there's more ghost activity. There's more than ever. Now, okay. So, I mean, part of that could be psychosomatic, though, because now more people are going to it because they have more local news articles about mm-hmm. it. And it's reminding more people or about the weirdness. Or there's some guy who a chunk of his body was in a jar and they rustled it up and put it back in a morgue. And he's like, what the fuck? Mm. Sure. Okay. Whatever makes whatever makes your pregnant tummy happy. <laughs> Stop bringing up my pregnant tummy. It's ghosts, not my pregnancy. Yeah, I know. But I'm not. I, listen, I'm not going to have this fight with you. Um, not on the air. That's Cause, the... Because arguing, having a screaming match with a pregnant woman that's being played lose. for thousands of people, like that's not, not a good look for me. Yeah, you're going to lose. That's yeah. for sure. But the second I turn off... Oh, oh, God. I'm taking a nap. So that's it. That was, that's all the notes. That's it. That brings us to today. Well, this actually looks like a lovely hotel. Yeah. I'm actually going to say, like, it does look like a lovely hotel. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it says creating lifetime memories. Yep. Uh, that's pretty cool. I, it's been a very long time. I've never actually done the Ozarks, mm-hmm. so I'm interested. Yeah, um, I think it's cool. And do you uh, think I have a future as a travel agent? Like I said, I want to be a travel agent. And bring it back. You want to bring back travel agencies? Yeah. Do you I think, think I could do it now? I no. think. Um, I think you sold me on. You sold me on a hotel. You sold me on Arkansas, babe. Yeah. Arkansas. Yeah. They just like re-legalized child labor in Arkansas. Well, who's gonna work in the limestone mines? Exactly. And we're going to have a kid, so, you know, oh. we can bring him down there. Get to work. <laughs> we make him work while we relax. Yeah, and I go on ghost tours. Yeah, you go on ghost tours. I go to the hot spa and enjoy yeah. the okay rooftop bar. <laughs> Read me another one. Uh, let's see. I'll scroll down here. Um, 
Let's see. The value for money. Oh, here's the category. Staff, we got a 9.1. That's pretty good. Facilities, 8.2. Pretty good. Cleanliness, 8.3. Like that. Comfort, 8.3. Nice. Value for money, 7.4. Ooh, that's pretty, I mean, value for money. But location, 9.1. That uh, It's a great location. It's right by the Missouri state line. So. Oh, is it? So if you need to escape Arkansas, you're right, right there. Right to Missouri. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to see. Because it, it turns out you're a quack doctor and you got to cross state lines real quick. Yeah, it has a it has pretty good reviews. Um, the room was great. The bed was very comfortable. Was really quiet. But pizza on four hundred was a disappointment. But overall, we plan on coming back for a longer stay. Thank you so much for a wonderful stay. So I guess somebody went to Arkansas and then expected pizza to be okay. That pizza's not going to be good. Enough I'm guessing if they buy buy pizza on four hundred, I think guess they must have. It seems like they have multiple restaurants throughout the, the venue. Yeah, like a like a cruise ship. Like a cruise ship. So you can go to the pizza place. You can go to this place over here. Get a fine meal. Get an outside meal. All these different things. So it looks it looks pretty good. But yeah, that's uh, my first little ooky spooky story for you. That's the a Crescent good one. Hotel. All right. Well, and is- somehow I got quacks into it, and our boy Morris Fishbine. Um, and the goat ball guy. I didn't know. I had no idea when I picked this hotel that you were going to be pulling all that this I together. was going to be bringing in I'll, so much old lore. I'll be honest. I thought when you said the Crescent Hotel, I like just in general about a hotel. I thought you were going to talk about that hotel where the young woman was found in the the water tank with the water. It's tank. on my list of things to potentially. It's do. on the I, list. That story. That one. I. I mean, I, I've heard a lot about that one. Yeah. Well, it's crazy. It's a crazy one. But there's uh, a lot more crazy that happens there than just that one incident. Yeah. Well, that's down. It's also down by like Skid Row and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, this was a fun episode. Yeah, we we did it. First ooky spooky episode. Yeah. Fucktober is taking <laughs> off. I don't know how I feel about Fucktober. I kind of really like you Fucktober. Like Fucktober. I'm kind of obsessed with it. Okay. Um, that yeah. really broadens my horizons for topics. It really do because I mean, like, yeah, this is haunted and spooky, but also fucked yeah like the guy was running a grift where he was convincing cancer patients and this was after a lady did really really good work there trying to like spread nursing awareness yeah and like bring health actual health to people yeah she was like i'm gonna try to build a world where we would notice your cancer early enough that we can treat it and he instead was like i'm gonna stick you with sunflower seeds and come because i i watched a horse yeah and our delco boy powell clayton was there yeah after like shooting at the clan yeah it's had everything there's a lot. There was a lot in this uh, episode for sure. Well, that's been our episode this week. Thank you so much to our Patreons. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, uh, to our sponsors, and to everything else. Uh, we had a wonderful time, and I will say that this was much shorter than the meeting I had at the White House. <laughs> so uh, with that, Mrs. Pearlmania, anything else that would you like to say? Oh, no. Thanks, everybody, for listening and being a part of our Patreon. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Everybody listens, and we will see you guys next week for more of Fucked Fuck Over. Over. Thank <laughs> you.